Welcome everyone to Papa Spice's Hot Takes with Hands and Harry. I am your host with the most Papa Spice. I'm joined by two of my best buds, Harry and Hands. And we like to talk movies and TV and entertainment and pop culture and all the fun stuff. And that's what we're here to bring you today. Um, Harry, how was your week? <laughs> A uh, week. Wow. Um, good. Or two weeks. I, I don't guess. know. Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> don't really know, know to be it's honest with you. Um, you know, I get this question asked a lot, and then I feel like there's not much to say. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not everything's good. I, I don't know. I don't know how to take it from here, to be honest with you. Uh, Fine. No issues. <laughs> yeah. No problems. Ha- yeah. Happy to everything. have you, Mister Medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Medium. Cook it. Medium. Uh, that's the way I like it. Uh, Ew. No, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I got nothing. I got nothing. Let's let's go to hands. See if he's got anything. Uh, anything <laughs> well, better. God, it's been fun. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Hands, how good. are you I'm doing? Good. Hopefully, you're doing better. I'm doing good. I'm a little loopy, as we you know. Like I, I just whack a doodle kinda, time. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm a little <laughs> silly tonight. I'm a silly goose. So uh, it's gonna be a fun one today. Uh, doing good. Uh, we're at Wednesday. I'm on vacation next week, uh, and by vacation, a couple days, going to the beach. Nice, nice. So get my my beach bod, beach bod out for everyone to see. Oh God! You know? Yeah, <laughs> just hear Sorry. screams. Put it back. It's, it's equivalent. Lydia. It's a it's equivalent to the if you if you're an, it's an always sunny fan. Um, there's an episode where Frank comes out of a couch wearing uh, no clothes on. Mm. Oh uh, God. That's what it, it kind of looks like as my beach think, Was that the Christmas special? I feel like yes. it was the Christmas special. Yes. That was, it, it. it was. He comes out all greased out. <laughs> uh, um, isn't that like an, well, an ode to Ace Ventura? No. Uh, no? I, mean, maybe, I, maybe. I mean, it could be. <laughs> I don't think it was be. ever explicitly said. I, you know, I it's think always it sunny, did it saying. better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for the two of you that stayed tuned in after that. <laughs> That description of Hans's body. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We had a, a case of the pre-show giggle, so we might be a little uh, a little loopy tonight. But um, hey, we're here, so let's let's dive in. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about before we get to anything else, I threw a little Twitter poll up for the Spice Fam um, because there was a, a tweet I saw where it was footage of Armageddon, and I guess. Um, Ben Affleck doing some commentary on like the DVD or whatever. And uh, he was just kind of lampooning the um, silliness of the story. And I uh, really enjoyed that because I do not enjoy Armageddon. But uh, then that got me thinking about Michael Bay. And so I posted a a Twitter uh, poll uh, asking about Michael Bay, whether he was overrated, underrated, or rated exactly right. And the survey says by a uh, percentage of 50% to 25 and 25 that he is rated exactly right. Gentlemen, mm. thoughts? Uh, I Bay's really weird because he – first of all, I love Armageddon and one of my favorite commentaries is for Armageddon is when he – it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, if you haven't – we may have mentioned this one before, but um, there's a commentary with Ben. This is the kind of attitude I like with him when Affleck was talking about wouldn't it be easier to send or teach astronauts to drill instead of drillers to be astronauts? Yeah. And, uh, and 
they told him in, in polite, uh, non-polite words to shut the bleh up. So, uh, that, that's, you know, I think that's my favorite Michael Bay story. Um, I don't know. I don't like them. Uh, I don't like the Transformers movies. I don't like, I, I like 13 hours. That was a good one. I don't know. Uh, between that and Armageddon, I, I can't, I, I don't, I don't. He's not a bad boys guy. <laughs> Um, I, if we want to just go on hot takes right now, real quick, since, you know, that's the name of the show, uh, I don't think I've ever seen Fad Boys in a Hole. Wow. That's a shame. One or okay. two. So, uh, the, or the, the cast, or three, or <laughs> potentially four that's coming out, or however many. Um, the cast of Hot Keep Fuzz would not like me. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think I, I, if I did see it, I don't remember it. I feel like we watched Bad Boys 1 in high school on like that end of the year type thing where we're not doing any work so we just put a movie on um and it was and bad was, boys <laughs> i think it was that or bridge to terabithia and i can't remember which one it was those are two vastly different movies Jeez. it might have been bridge to terabithia i probably was probably the, i feel like probably, that rings high school more than yeah, bad yeah. boys does <laughs> i don't know I, I just i don't remember it was one of them so. uh hair michael bay takes uh did you guys see ambulance no i did not Okay, so I think that's a perfect example. I mean, obviously, we could go through the filmography. Pain and Gain, I call that a miss. The Island, I'm going to call that a miss as well. Oh, I uh, forgot The Island. All right, I'll, The Island's uh, oh, all right. You already I gave your sorry. take. You already gave I'm your take. I'm just saying, it's, The Island's all right. It's not, it's not great, but it's okay. Um, I think I think time is a moving scale, and I think currently at this moment in time for Michael Bay – I think he's properly rated. I think Ambulance is the perfect example of people who liked it, love Michael Bay, and are down for his movies. I, for one, did not like it, which doesn't mean I'm not down for his movies. Um, it just means that I think he's you know properly rated. The people who love him, love him, and the people who hate him still hate him. And I think it falls somewhere in between. I, I am an enjoyer of the Transformers movies. There's also, I mean, we mentioned Armageddon. The Rock as well slaps go hard on that anytime, um, and then I was gonna say there is Pearl Harbor, which you know I I don't really care for either. So, um, and I never saw Six Underground, so I've it's actually surprising how many movies of his I've actually seen compared to some other directors who I think are better. Who I'm like I haven't seen four of their movies. Um, I did this today with Wes Anderson, by the way, um, which is what I was referencing. So. Yeah, I think he's properly rated, in my opinion. We'll see. Mm. Ask me in five years. Maybe he's uh, overrated at that point. All right, you heard it, folks. Be Great here one. in five years. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. See, my take. It, it's weird because um, I think that he is overrated, but I do enjoy most of his movies. Harry, kind of, kind of along the same lines, I think um, – Number one, I have seen more movies of his than I thought, but also he has less of a filmography than I thought. For some reason, yeah. I thought he had like more films to his name than he's he did. If you he's look definitely on, out there producing. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of producing and like prior to his film career, I guess, music videos and stuff. But um, even though I enjoy his movies, I feel like people are pretty vociferous when it comes to him. Like, they're very Somebody vocal was in the and dictionary today. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're very vocal, and it's like, oh, new Michael Bay movie coming out, blah blah blah. You know, like not saying that he gets put in the categories of like Scorsese or Spielberg or anything. Um, 
it's just that people get i feel like they get hyped more than they probably should when a new movie is coming out on mm. a new michael bay movie is coming out so it's like i know like yeah i'll probably enjoy myself but at the same time i'm not super rah-rah about it like oh michael bay you know like we talk about that with like nolan you know like oh oppenheimer's coming out new nolan qt yeah. same thing scorsese but like people kind of get that way with him and it's i i don't get that um so i don't know i think he's overrated but yes the spice fam voted and uh they think he is properly rated so anyway just Agreed. found that interesting uh yeah keep an eye out on my twitter at gregor mortis and uh the papa spice hot takes twitter at ps live spicy we'll be posting more polls and and discussing in the future so maybe a fun little way to interact Hans, uh, let's go down to you in the field with your news. Hit it. <laughs> Coming to you live from the sometimes smoke-filled skies of Philadelphia, where I-95 has been repaired. It's Chris Hanratty. <laughs> Thank you. I, I missed that. I know the last couple episodes we have not done the news because we, we crunched a couple episodes in at once. Um, but we're back, baby. We're back. Uh, we so uh, big news coming out of uh, out of Hollywood. Uh, so they found the new Superman. James Gunn announced that uh, David Cornsweat, who is the doppelganger for Henry Cavill, will be taking over the Superman role. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't know who David Cornsweat is. He apparently was in that Pearl Harbor movie that we just talked about. Um, I'm not sure. Um, Pearl. Not Pearl. Pearl. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Pearl. 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 Full sorry. stop. <laughs> oh, I apologize. And uh, Rachel Brosnahan, who uh, I'm not going to lie, I haven't heard of her either. So James Gunn really went into the uh, in, went into the um, unknown to find Wait. a couple actors. Uh, what? Aren't you our news reporter? <laughs> Shouldn't you have the information about who the actors are? No, I, I don't. I, I could have. I could have dealt. It's breaking news. Apparently. It's breaking news. Right, it's I got breaking yeah, news. Yeah. So I'm he still. I'm it. still. I'm sorry. I'm still trying got to it. figure out what Rachel's been in. So I've. I've, I've been trying to deep dive. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's, Mazel, it's journalistic right? integrity. He's not going to report stuff he doesn't know. Mm. Right. I'm not. I'm, this is not. This is not fake news with Hands and Harry uh, and, yeah. and Papa Spice. This is where we're. Sorry, Greg. You're out. Telling it like it is. Sorry about that. Billing? Yeah, apologies. Uh, yeah, so uh, Gunn announced it officially. There was a lot of rumors going through, and and Nicholas Holt uh, again was was the lead, but missed out on another superhero because he was the lead at Batman at one point, and uh, apparently he's still in the role or in line for Lex Luthor. Possibly, I heard um, that could just be a rumor. And then the other rumor that I heard for Lex Luthor was Alexander Skarsgård, who. I feel just shows up in things. Uh, he's a good actor. You're but, not a Sarsgaard um, fan. I know. I have nothing against Sarsgaard. Uh, I, I okay. just I feel because I know and I haven't. I I with Succession. I know he shows up at one point in it in like the third season, and I just feel like he just pops in the shows. I'm like and, and you, movies. You, I'm like you let us know once you get past season one, and we'll tell you when. Dude, I, I'm not even past se- episode five of season one. We gave up. No, great. sorry, but yeah. So and uh, so. You know, a lot of people are wondering what James Gunn's going to do with Batman. He said that's ways and ways away, but we have Superman. Uh, I, what are your thoughts? This guy looks a lot like Henry Cavill, so they should have just, in my opinion, kept Henry Cavill. 
don't know. Um, I think that I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that Put the words right out Harry, of your mouth. You want to take it? I know. I'm I'm choking up here. Harry, you, you Yeah. Um well, I'll just I'll be frank about it. Um I don't care really for Superman. <laughs> I've never seen the the guy who died Superman. Uh what's his name? There's two of them. There's George the Reeves and Christopher Reeves. George Reeves yeah. and Christopher Reeves. Yeah, never saw any other Superman movies. The guy who died. Um yeah, Oof. Christopher Reeves, sorry. Uh, George Reeves, never never seen your Superman. You got their I, names backwards. Cool. Yeah, it's George care. Reeves, Christopher Reeves. Don't Reeve. care. Don't Here, care. All right. So, I, you haven't seen them? I'm going to do a really hot take. I, I could save it for the next episode. I'm not a big fan of those Superman movies. So, uh, Ooh, you know, I don't. I think it. It, it's much different than today's superhero movies. But, yeah. Go, so uh, I was excited. I was excited for Man of Steel when it was coming out. I, I thought the the trailer was pretty pretty great and incredible. I watched that multiple times, even though I'm not a trailer guy. It stuck with me. Uh, I remember distinctly working for uh, whatever Superman in the early 2000s, uh, 2006, I think it was or five. Superman Returns. Superman Returns, uh, and we were packed to the gills as far as uh, workers and staff and preparation and that movie was in uh poo pooville before it even came out so uh nobody came to see that uh so um you know there's the thing with like the casting and i'll go back to it like with the heath ledger and when like christian bale was was cast in batman just because that always sticks out to me with this stuff um you know i think it's uh, you know, Rachel, Rachel, uh, Braz, Brosnahan, uh, or Braz, Brosnaran, um, she is in Marvelous Miss Maisel, which I hear is an incredible show. It's just been passed on my radar as well. I'm sure she'll be great. Um, and I'm sure this guy will be great. I, you know, I'll have to do a little bit more research uh, about him since we're getting the breaking news from hands, but this doesn't move any needle for me. I don't get excited by this stuff. Um, you know, sure, they're going to cast him. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure he's going to work very hard to be a good Superman. Um, and time will tell. So um, my zero take take, I guess, is uh, you, people like to make fun of me for. But I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, whatever. So, Greg, Greg, after your emotions of crying and me insulting the, the old Superman, uh, go ahead and uh, take it away. Terrible. Uh, yes, as, as I was going to say before. Where I almost What's this guy's to name? Bathwater or something? I don't even remember. Chris. Corn sweat. Corn sweat. Corn sweat. Corn, corn sweat. Corn, Bathwater. Corn, like the food. Got it. I corn wasn't sure. Sweat. I couldn't remember. Corn sweat. Corn sheesh. Sweat. Uh, so yeah, I, I am unfamiliar with both of their works, although I have heard Rachel Brosnahan's name before, probably from uh, Miss Maisel. Um, Chris is Chris is on them streets, so it's hard to get in the pop culture game when you're. Dude, when you're I, I'm not out I, there. I, here. Here, I, I go for live updates and all that. I'm going. I'm looking through their IMDb right now. Uh, yeah, it's 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 bare bones. So I don't even. I, Mrs. <laughs> I think Maisel. that's good. I think that's good. I think it's better to do stuff like that. To be no, honest, yeah. With so that that's gonna bring me to my point, which is, you know, I'd rather them go with some relatively unknowns rather than stunt cast. Um, it's interesting because Henry Cavill. He apparently he had been in some stuff prior to Man of Steel, although I was unfamiliar with him. I think I only knew him, knew of him from the Tudors. But, mm. uh, you know, he, he was still doing film work um, earlier and prior to Man of Steel. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, 
they look close enough to the characters, uh, I'll be more excited when we get a trailer. Until then, it's just, you know, you don't know how they're going to perform. They're relatively unknowns, and um, it is what it is. As far as Lex goes, I did not hear Nicholas Holt is in the running for that, just that he lost out for Superman. Go ahead. I don't know. I think I think the and and sorry, my accuracy of the news apparently is not that great tonight. Um, I I did see and and you know I I, I whether or not I read it or I just didn't. I just believe whatever I see. But I did say that Nicholas Holt did. He was still I guess auditioned for Lex Luthor. I want an older Lex Luthor like Gene Hackman and Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Like I, I think well, I they tried it. Would well I you know I Spacey was a good Lex Luthor. Just I hope I never see him again. Um, but. Even like they tried it with Jesse Eisenberg, it didn't work. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, yeah. No, go ahead. Aaron. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, G. You probably have something more important. Uh, so as far as the Luthor or the Lex Luthor role goes, I heard Alexander Skarsgård and Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise, uh, both in the running for that. I don't know. I mean, both I think would would be fine. Um, but like you, Hans, I, I want to see my Lex. Let's say Superman, I think, is going to be early to mid-20s. I want Lex five or ten years older than that. So, all right. Let me throw this out there. And if, if it would happen, I don't think it's going to because and I haven't seen any rumors about it. Would you – it's been a while since it ended. Would you bring Michael Rosenbaum back for Lex Luthor? Or do you think he still I, looks too young? No, I think the opposite. Again, Smallville? I think, yes. Yeah. No, I no. think um I think it that ship has sailed. I don't think it would happen and even if it could, I don't I I don't I wouldn't want it. He okay. to me, he has been the best on-screen live live action portrayal of Lex Luthor. <laughs> uh but I think, you know, let's let's shake it up. It's a new universe. Let's That's fair. let's yeah. But fair. um yeah, I don't know. Casting, nothing nothing tremendously exciting, but that's okay. I'm in wait-and-see mood. All right, cool. All right. Oh, so uh, next, I'm sorry. Oh, one other oh, thing. I, I yeah. wanted to touch on Nicholas Holt real quick. Nicholas Holt, uh, I, you know, to be honest, look, I like him as an actor. I just saw Renfield, and I was praising that for being way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be, but I do not see him as Batman or Superman. I can't think of what superhero I would see him as. But beast. he didn't fit either of them. Well, yeah, Beast. But uh, but I he doesn't fit that mold for either of them. I don't think. I feel I I don't I don't I've never met him in person, and I just going by what I see him on screen. Um, I feel like he's like a shorter guy, like me. So I don't feel I feel like I. But again, he could be six two or six three, and I don't know that he could be taller than Robert Pattinson, and he lost that. But yeah. I just in my mind, I feel like he's much smaller than he probably is. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I wish true. there was a source of information somewhere on, on a worldwide web that I could figure out that, but I don't mm. feel like looking it up. One, one more thing on David Meatwater. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys Water. know this. Uh, Nicholas but, Holt, 6'3", by the way. Sorry. Um, wow. All right. But guys, oh, honestly, I think we're really underselling this David, uh, all jokes aside, this David Cornsweat uh, news because, guys – We've had a lot of listen coming from Philadelphia. We get we've had a lot of things happening. We've lost the Super Bowl. We lost the World Series. We lost the MLS Cup. We lost I ninety five. You know, Jesus. as as 
As a wise Philadelphian once said, we're taking L's all over the place. <laughs> Guess where David's from? He's from Philadelphia, yes. Philly, baby! We back! Hey, we back! Wrap it, wrap it. Okay, back. at some point during this episode, and I will confirm this, I need to figure out what part of Philadelphia he grew up in, because if oh. he's like Villanova or something, that's not Philadelphia. So uh, I don't oh, want to hear on. that. come on. You're from, and also, you're from like the Hans, suburbs of Ben Salem almost. No, I'm Hans not. doesn't recognize Dude. Mayfair as a section of Philadelphia. Either, yeah, so. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, you have to be, uh, for all you Philadelphia people listening, like far northeast, like Morrell. That's kind of, yeah. when, you know, or and Chalfont. Bro, I'm sure this segment will play great for our oh international listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry for all you Jersey listeners as well and, and I, that consider yourself Philadelphia sports fan, not from Philly. Greg says international. Chris goes, yeah, Jersey. Sorry. Jersey. <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, all right. Oh, uh, also, what one more, oh, yeah, one yeah, more yeah. thing real quick on Corn Sweat I was just going to say. Sure. Is, uh, he's on uh, HBO's uh, We Own uh, We Own the City. Um, which I had in my uh, one of my favorites of the year. I just saw which character he played because when you said his name, I had no idea what he looked like. I mean, I'm sure for a lot of people, he's getting a lot of buzz on his pages. But uh, yeah, we own the city um, on HBO. Worth checking out. All right, cool. Uh, he went to University of Penn. Ah, All right. oh, so he's smart. Well, for college, I mean, I didn't say high school. All right. Next up on the news, we're gonna do uh, some weekend box office. So. Uh, a- Kind of a shocker uh, across the Spider Verse swung back into number one with uh, oh, nineteen clever nineteen point three million. Is it nineteen point three million to take the top spot? Number two was not the Flash. That was Elemental that took eighteen point five million. And number three with one of the war- biggest drops I've seen, a seventy two percent drop from the previous week uh, at fifty five million was the Flash that. Took a measly fifteen point three million. Uh, I'll take one. On, uh, I'll take one on the chin for this. I thought Flash was going to make a lot more money, and I said it on this show. Uh, and it looks like it's actually estimated to lose Warner Brothers about two hundred million dollars. Uh, what was the bet on that, Hans? Just remind remember. the remind the good folks. I don't remember who was right though. Was it you or was it me? It was you. Oh, okay, thanks. I just I wanted <laughs> I to clarify. No I wanted to clarify. <laughs> I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. Uh, but uh, Chris this now owes this... me ten thousand dollars. That was the bet, folks. <laughs> yeah, over over uh, whatever many tapes. years of friendship, uh, yep. we, we owe each other a lot installments. of yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. We need an account for that. Uh, yeah. So the Flash is is number three. Which with some new releases coming up, we have you know Indiana Jones coming out this week. Uh, a Mission Impossible in a couple weeks. I don't even know what com- I think next week's a, a lull, a little bit of a gap. Yeah. They but carry over. it is not looking good for uh, for DC on this, and they're going to lose a lot of money. So uh, as I think, Har, I did you see it? No. The Flash? Okay. No. So I'm going <laughs> to turn it over to – I'm going to turn it over to Papa because he is the only one out of us that had seen The Flash. Uh, if you follow him on Letterboxd, you know where this is going. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Papa, give it to us. Does it yeah, deserve dude. does it deserve the 72% drop from previous week? Sure does. Um <laughs> look, they need to readjust the marketing campaign and make the L like 5 to 10 font sizes bigger in the flash <laughs> logo cuz uh that's what it is, man. It's just one big L. Look, if you've seen the movie, it's not news to you on why there's a drop. It's 
a crappy story. There's barely any emotion in it. Terrible, terrible CGI. It's it's mind boggling how much money and time went into this movie for it to turn out the way it did. And really disappointed in Andy Machetti because I enjoyed it chapters one and two. So to get this as his next big studio feature is is pretty disappointing. Um, and, you know, I'm sure uh, all of the issues that Ezra had played into this uh, as well. Uh, and the fact that this is in basically a dying DC universe. So there's a bunch of different factors in play. But chiefly, I think the, the fact that the movie was so crappy does not surprise me. Uh, look, I, as hands noted, I, I gave my review, not only on letterboxd, I also posted something on Facebook. People were unfriending me over my comments. No big loss to me. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and it's just, it's wild that people can get that hyped up about it. But, uh, but yeah, flash, um, flash's lack of success is well-deserved because that movie is a steaming pile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to make a little comment and say, like, according to <laughs> other people, it has made grown men cry in the theater, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, I will, I, 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 I will just leave it at that. the veracity of that. And if it is true, then those individuals are not all there. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I just, as, as the flash, I watched, uh, I guess what you consider big emotional parts on, on Twitter of people who just put the stuff online. So that's all I will watch of this movie. Even if it was a streaming, I will probably skip it. DC Slate coming out is they have Blue Beetle coming out on August 18th, I believe, which is supposed to start the DCU, the new one, which this corn sweat will be part of. But don't forget, just not to confuse everyone, there's going to be an Aquaman 2 that takes place in the Snyderverse that comes out later this year. So uh, just anyone listening, uh, if you want to follow hey. with James Gunn DCU, stick with Blue, Blue Beetle and skip Aquaman 2. Or else you're gonna be really confused. Warner, Warner Brothers got bills to pay, so they gotta get them. They gotta get their movies out. I ha- I saw stuff for the Flash that came out a couple months ago, and it was whether commercials <laughs> or or just some kind of marketing. I've not seen a single trailer, or even on movies that I've seen trailer, any any advertising or anything for um for the other one, um, Aquaman two. Normally, I feel like they they would try and amp that up a little bit, but even on movies that I'm seeing, I'm not seeing trailers for it. Like, I feel like they would have put that on a couple. But wait, when did you say the release date is? Is that December? Isn't it like this year? I think. Well, it is this year because it was actually postponed. It was it was supposed right. to be supposed last to year, like I believe. Soon, uh, I th- yeah. I think it was fall last year, and then it got pushed to winter of this year. I yeah, just feel first, like DC the first would one be... came out in December, so I would imagine December would be the yeah, release date. I feel like they they would push that at least a little bit and put some advertising or some trailers, uh, at least on movies that I'm seeing trailers for, like a Pixar movie that can't that's about to come out in a year and a half, and you, they're not they're not. That's because you that's because you saw Elemental. Of course, Disney's going to be no, like, I'm just hey, saying. What are we I'm just saying. There? When I saw Spider Verse, <laughs> they did that too. I... <clears throat> Okay. I think now now is probably around the time that Aquaman 2 marketing would start. I imagine probably with Blue Beetle, there might be a trailer on there for it. Do you think it's a possibility that Warner Brothers is at the point of just distancing this thing from – because they, they're seeing how the Flash 2 bomb, which I'm assuming Aquaman's going to bomb too. I, I, that's, I'm basing that off of just 
I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Warner Brothers is going to not spend as much on marketing because they realize we marketed the hell out of the Flash, and now we're going to lose two hundred million dollars. I would say. I mean, I think. Listen, I think you're right in a way, but I mean, at the same time, like I think there's a following for the first Aquaman. I think it was surprisingly a lot of people liked it. Uh, it didn't make like gangbusters at box office, but it wasn't a complete dud. And I think. I think coming out over Christmas weekend, which right now I couldn't tell you three other movies. Um, and like you were saying about the trailers, I mean, once we get through Indy, once we get through Mission, once we get through Oppenheimer and Barbie, like those are kind of the four big pillars yeah. of the summer. Um, and that just kind of leaves, you know, the upcoming Dune, um, the new Hunger Games I, uh, movie. And then, you know, if they're but I wouldn't be surprised if they push it either. So I, I just open all probably because things, every yeah. movie now is going to have Aquaman on it. Every movie you're gonna they're, gonna they're gonna play the trailer twice just to just to spite me. Yeah, and so. the only thing I wanted to talk about with the Flash was Greg. I think it's really upsetting uh, that you defended me on Facebook, and it doesn't matter to you, but it's fine. Um, I just wanted to is. lend my opinion to a movie I didn't see, so it's kind of rude, <clears throat> but you know, sure. Uh, but yeah, no, um, no, yeah, I have no desire, you know, to see the Flash. Uh, once I heard Greg and Tim's review, I was out. Um, you know, on trying to see it alone. Uh, it also doesn't help with the runtime. I was talking about this with our buddy Sean earlier yeah. at work, and it's like, it uh, what is it, 2.45 without trailers? And then so add yep. trailers, and you're at three hours. And, My God. you know, if, if you work on the weekdays like like we do, and it's like you get done at 5, and let's say there's a 6 o'clock show, you're not getting home till 9 o'clock. Um, so, uh, and that's assuming, you know, you're not just rushing home or, you know, whatever you got to do to go see it. So um, not my cup of tea. Uh, and, you know, sorry to hear it's so awful because I know, you know, people, some people were holding that hope that at least it would be entertaining. Yeah. I mean, for me, again, you know, and I, I don't want to just make it a, a flash pod, but believe me, I don't. But it's just it's very disappointing that, you know, this is the first solo adventure, big screen adventure for the Flash. And again, this was something they've been working on. I want to say since 2014, at, maybe at maybe least, earlier. And I would say, well, it was well before Batman and Super Batman versus Superman because I think Flash is included in that. And at, least, at some yeah. point, but that came out 2015, 2016, maybe. And I think I I think they already include like wanted that plan to have that movie come out. I think it was supposed mm. to release either before that or right after. So it was 2017, I think, was the initial release date was going to be for The Flash. And then it, it, we're six years later, and it finally got released. Yeah, it's like, how do you... And it was the same thing with Black Adam. Like, that was such a long, <laughs> arduous process to get it to screen. And it's like, this is the best that you can give us for these characters? Come on, man. Like, it's just, yeah. it's disappointing. Yeah. And mild spoiler for the flash too. That's um, it's not anything significant, but that Batman versus Superman scene never gets tied into. So that's just a plot thread hanging. They never, uh, they never addressed it in justice league. Everybody assumed they were going to with the flash because, Hey, why wouldn't you never gets touched? So it's just out there. Not right. Anyway. All right. Oh, one little bit of news I forgot uh, for all you uh, that are excited for the upcoming doubleheader that we have coming up for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie, uh, a Barbie dream home has appeared uh, magically in Malibu. While, How does this um, happen? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I'm just as confused because it's a house. It's a mansion. You can't yeah. lower it in and, and fly it in. It's it's not like The Sims. You can't just build it within like a couple minutes. Uh, 
So yeah, Mal- Barbie's marketing is 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 doing something special. They are all over the place. Meanwhile, Oppenheimer uh, today released a new picture of uh, Killian Murphy as um as as said Oppenheimer, and that's it. That's yes. all you're getting. That's all Nolan's saying you're I, getting. I was gonna say I think Barbie Barbie partnered with Airbnb because I think you can actually uh, go in a contest to try and uh, win to stay at the Barbie Dream Home. So yeah. Oppenheimer stay there. As a, as a, bro, give me the house. You're just yeah, bringing in houses out of nowhere. Give me the house. Right. How, how did that, like that? I, I, I got to figure out the process that they did that. It's like, I remember that show where it took them like a week to build that, where they tore your old one down and build it back up. Yeah. It took like a yeah, week did, to do that. It would be like a nobody home. Did nobody in the neighborhood see like, hey, there's this giant pink mansion being put up. I wonder what that could be for. Right. Like, how did this news not break? The only thing I can think of is they build it and then spray painted it or something like overnight and like mm. painted it overnight. But that's that's a that's a tall tale. Like you can no way. Well, well side know. note to that, I don't know if you guys saw, but apparently Barbie, the production of Barbie <laughs> used up like all the pink paint. Yeah. Uh, that caused pink, they had paint, a pink shortages paint shortages in the world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Oppenheimer is going to blow up New Mexico. <laughs> Uh, to market their new movie so we'll see how that goes uh we have yeah. uh well for the folks at home we have our best man on the on the ground uh hands we appreciate the good work you do uh and yep. you'll be able to uh crack the code on the barbie house for us uh for the next pod i'm sure i'll say I'll I'll, I'll 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 i'm actually gonna fly down <laughs> oh fly fly down fly over to malibu and um and interview a couple people that were built building the house so i'll have some nice. live footage of that um Got it. Yeah, and then I and then I'll talk to whoever released the picture, Killian Murphy, to really talk about Oppenheimer's real marketing uh, yeah. gurus that are over there. Wait, hold on, real quick, just because I want to fight about it on the pod. Are you coming to Oppenheimer? I don't Hands? know. I don't. I I don't know yet. We've talked about this, dude. What day is it on? It's on Wednesday or Thursday. T-ball. It's a Thursday. T ball does not exist anymore, but we we started karate. So I got yes. this. Thursday five what, o'clock. What day is it on? I mean, not day. What what's the date? Uh, I don't know the Thursday before the movie comes out the twentieth. I didn't. That Riveting. wasn't in my news. This is what everybody so. tunes in this for, is folks. Not, this is not. This is not my news segment, so I don't know. Um, yeah, we can okay. talk about plans. We'll talk about this Post offline. Show. Man. I'm yeah. just, I, you know, putting. I just want to cry. I'm gonna watch it like Christopher Nolan to. intended it, bootlegged on my phone. Oh god, I hate you. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, let's move on to our main topic, and as you see from the show title. Uh, Harry was in the hot seat for Never Have I Ever Seen. It's been a little while since we did one of these, so we wanted to revisit. And spoilers out there, but Harry, what titles did we choose for you? Uh, well, Greg, you chose 1991's A Hook, uh, for me. Uh, and Chris chose 10 Things I Hate About You from 1999. All right. This is a good episode, good, everyone. Good talk. Yeah, what's <laughs> going on here? All right. Uh, well, you want to take us through? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I figured, um, you know, we didn't really discuss which one we would do first, so I was just taking a look, and we all seem to have started with 10 Things I Hate About You in our in our list first, so I'll start there. Um, as I mentioned, this was this was Hanratty nominated. Uh, came out in 1999, starring uh, Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, it was released on March 31st uh, in 1999, uh, grossed over $60 million at the uh, box office, had generally positive reviews from critics. 
Um, and kind of the plot of this movie is, is Cameron James played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt or JGL, as I like to refer to him as. Uh, he's a new student at uh, Padua High School in the Seattle area. He falls in love at first sight with the beautiful and popular sophomore Bianca Stratford. And he gets his uh, his good buddy, Michael, Michael Ekman, uh, I think, uh, to to help him uh, play by uh, David, David Krumholtz. Um, but the problem is, is that he can't actually go out on a date with Bianca uh, because uh, their crazy father has these rules where they're unable to go out on dates. Um, and this is also, as I forgot to mention in the beginning, uh, it's a modernization of William Shakespeare's uh, comedy, uh, The Taming of the Shrew. Um, and uh, so there's there's a lot of wacky uh, kind of language in this movie and dialogue, uh, which I, I think adds to it. Um, it makes it sound, uh, well, it makes it a little bit more uh, watchable, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, and so he can't... Um, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character can't really go on a date with her. So they end up paying uh, with a, with uh, in, in the, I guess in everything that I read is the bad boy uh, of Heath Ledger, but I look at it as more of the mysterious lad uh, of Heath Ledger uh, in this movie. He is hired uh, to go on a date with Kat played by Julia Stiles um, and take her out on dates so that he can go on Bianca. Um, and there's a little bit more into the story, which we'll, which we'll get into with the chaos. Um, and you know, it kind of, you know, uh, it's your typical, I guess, nineties also high school movie. Um, there's a couple of those from that era. So on that note, you know, just to kind of talk about that, I, I throw it to my man hands because I think he's, I, I think he's genuinely a sucker for these movies. If I'm, if I'm, uh, allowed to say it, which I will. Uh, so hands this, this 10 things I hate about you. What? You know, what made you pick this one out of the bunch um, and what about this movie, uh, you know, just stands out to you as to as to why you have it above the, uh, some of the others. All right. If I had to put like a pantheon of 90s rom-com uh, teen movies, this is probably up there in top three with this. She's all that and um, can't hardly wait. Uh, I don't know if you saw can't hardly wait. I'm not nope. sure. Nope. Ah. Uh, uh, so I was really thinking about either one of those, but I saw when, when Greg went with our other choice with Hook, uh, I wanted to kind of keep it in that same era, and I'm glad you didn't see 10 Things I Had About You. I love this movie. This is this is a, a, this is probably I – was, I was 14 when this movie came out. I was just about to turn 14. So I probably went on like an eighth-grade date with a girl to go nice. see this. And yeah. Um, so we got to see – you know, got introduced to the, the legendary Heath Ledger, uh, Julie Stiles. I put a lot of names on the map. Uh, this is, this is, I, I don't know if this is just one of those things where it's more like a throwback memory where I just remember seeing this theater, like movie a lot. Um, like I saw, I probably saw it a couple times in theaters. Like I owned it on, on DVD when it came out. Um, maybe VHS, I don't know, whatever it was released on, but this was when I started getting into, you know, going to being able to go out by myself, like with friends to movies. So yeah. these are a lot of the movies that I was going to see. Um, you know, like I, I referenced, like she's all that that came out earlier in 1999. But there, this is a a you know, I didn't know anything about Taming of the Shrew. I'm not, like, I'm not a Shakespeare yeah. head or like a big old. Of course, the, you know, I don't read Shakespeare in my free time. Um, but I, I like how they they put modern spins on some of these things because I think it opens up a lot of people to what 
you know, original, like this, like they kind of, it, it's, I like how movies will do that where they have an older reference yeah. point of a hundred, like hundreds of years ago and make what I think is a classic. Um, but I, I do like these romantic comedies and these, these, um, these, these teen movies, they don't do them anymore when they do, they're just God awful. And mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I'm glad that, uh, you know, when I, when I thought about that, we were doing this and, and I, I you know, I had a couple movies on my list. Um, but there's just, I don't, I don't know. I think everything about this, it just seems so, I, I would say it's, it, it, it's a very realistic premise, I guess, to a movie that you would expect in like the nineties. Now the one, listen, I, I saw that face, Greg. I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a really rich high school, obviously where like all these kids had money and all that, but I feel like it, it could be, it could, you could read about this somewhere in like Florida where someone would end up doing this. Like a, like Florida guy yeah. pays whatever girl money to go out on a date. So he go to his sister. Right. I don't know. Well, I was, I was going to say um, a couple things. You obviously mentioned this is uh Heath Ledger's first uh, American uh, movie uh, or American role that uh, he's playing in. Um, so he has, he has the, uh, the great accent in this as well. Uh, you know, prevalent in uh, from being from, I believe he's from Australia, right? I'm not uh, mistaken yep. that. Cool. Yes. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, we're running, we're running a bit of a theme here because usually we try um, to just pick a movie I haven't seen. Um, and for the last couple that we've done, uh, even though it's been a little while, it's really worked out that um, Greg has already seen this movie. If I'm not mistaken, Greg, you, you'd already yep. seen it. So you were familiar with the work. Um, I also wanted to give before I toss it over to Greg to ask him a, a question that was was tickling my mind at the beginning of this movie. Um, there were two writers on this movie uh, besides obviously good old uh, Billy Shakespeare. Um, and uh, one of the writers, uh, Karen McClung, had also done The House Bunny uh, as well as Legally Blonde, which I think are two kind of, I would say, well-received movies of, of a little later than that era, especially with The House Bunny. Um, and the other writer's name is Kristen Smith. So, you know, women writers in the room, I think, you know, um, I don't know about the other two movies, but uh, that Chris had mentioned was in the, what is in his pantheon. But, um, you know, that always helps when you when you have. Uh, and I think that really comes out with especially with the Julia Stiles character. Um, but, Greg, one one question I wanted to throw to you. Uh, Padua High School. Um, would you want to go there? Is this look like a school that you would want to be a part of? I mean, just stylistically, but also like the way, you know, we get introduced to all the characters in the beginning and the different factions in school. Is this a school you're looking forward to going to every day? Or are you counting down the days to college? Um, no, I don't think I would. Here's the thing. When you get romantic comedies like this, they tend to exaggerate the differences in the groups like uh, by all means like at least my high school experience there were different groups and cliques and stuff but it was never anything so outrageous as hey here's the rastafarians here's the uh cowboys you know <laughs> it's like those are exaggerated for comedic effect but yeah um, of course so if i had to go to this specific school no i don't think i would uh but you know is it is it drastically different from a normal high school experience? Um, actually, yeah, I would kind that of school, say it is. That school was like, I think I was maybe like seven or eight floors. That was a big, that was a big school. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you went yeah. to Ryan, school, right? Chris, I went to uh, Ryan. That was three floors. 
Well, on... yeah, but I like your your class was what like nine hundred people or something. I graduated with like seven hundred, a little a shade okay, under seven hundred. And but yeah. that's a large that's a large class. Yes. Uh, so if you have a school that is you know almost double the size of the one you went to, I imagine their their class would be double the size as well. So that is kind of wild. Um, but yeah, no, just thinking about, you know, is this like a typical high school experience? And we'll get into some of it with like, you know, the drinking in bars and stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like might have been yeah, a little exaggerated, note. but also the look of the students. I don't know. It just it didn't <laughs> ring. Look, I, I look. Spoiler alert. I enjoyed the movie and we'll get into all that. But like, I wouldn't say that this. It didn't ring as close to me uh, for high school as I guess maybe some people would. Yeah, I feel I feel like on that note, I I know at least some of the like all these characters. I know that I feel like I've experienced them at some point in my life, whether it was like high school or college or even like grade school. Like I just feel like all these personalities were at some point I had either interaction with them or knew knew at this level, <laughs> or is this like that person turned up to eleven? I would I would say I don't know. I feel like the movie did turn it up to 11 with a couple people. Okay. And I'm sure, we'll, sure. I I think on your note there's one specific person that I, I will probably talk about that um that I saw that's a little elevated. But I I just feel like I you know just like you had said it's elevated for for cinematic purposes and comedic purposes. But you know, I, we've known like that pretty girl and the rebellious girl and you know, whether or not they're sisters or not, I don't know. But I just feel like I, I like know someone in high school that it I can relate to like with Patrick or to Bianca and 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 we're like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. I, I, I feel like there was, you know, they're, I guess they're not as extreme for the movie, but, you know. Uh, one other <laughs> quick note on on this high school thing, and this is <laughs> this is dating myself, uh, but hands, I'm sure this was closer to your and my high school experiences because cell phones were not prevalent yet. You don't oh, see the beauty, like the beauty books or iPads, like yeah. everything was still handwritten. You know, I'm sure even desks desks are different now. Like, yeah. Like this, if you had a laptop, was, like you're, you're, then you're, then your family's well off for like generations. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I was in high school <laughs> at the time these people were in high school. So that experience of the the lack of technology that at least I was able to relate to is like, Oh yeah, that's, it's totally different now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, was, I, I have uh, a note on that later, but yeah, go ahead. Eric. I <laughs> was, I was 11 in 99. So for me, as Chris mentioned, this is like the eighth grade going into high school. Like you're probably out with your friends as like an 11 year old. I was like in the neighborhood and like maybe I could have caught this movie on DVD a couple of years later, but I just did for whatever reason. Um, so that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Uh, so yeah, just missed out on it. But I missed out actually on a lot of these uh, teen movies uh, back in the I'd say early two thousands to even with the late nineties. Um, yeah. Don't know why. Just I didn't really have a lot of. Uh, I, I guess the best way to put it is that. I didn't have a lot of lady friends, so it was me and the lads, and I don't think we were uh, being like, let's go watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, it was like, yo, let's let's go watch this cool crime-fighting movie. So yeah. I don't know what movie I think I saw was. this I'm with just... my girlfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah, see? There you go. There you go. Eighth grade. Hanging with the ladies. This Catherine, is a blast from the Catherine, past. Catherine, come here. Um, 
So I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit more about the cast um, because as we talked a little bit about with Heath Ledger and his being his first American role, um, obviously a huge standout in this movie. Uh, Julia Stiles as well, kind of forgotten the time. She definitely had a run during this era. I think about uh, her and Kirsten Dunst a lot during this time. Um, they obviously have gone to have different careers, but just kind of being the, you know, I think about Bring It On. I think that was like the first one I remember seeing where it's probably like a date type movie. And I was with, you know, friends and I was like, I don't know if I should be watching this. This feels, this feels scandalous, scandalous. Um, we have young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who my wife was obsessed with about how cute he was in the movie. Um, and we also had uh, Larissa Olenek, who plays Bianca, who, you know, is kind of, I guess, a little bit of a teen idol in the 90s. Um, she was on a couple- uh, Alex Mack. Alex Mack on Nickelodeon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people know her from Alex so Mack. after uh, my time. Her, her and Andrew Keegan, uh, he is I, – I forget his exact character's name. Give me a second. But Andrew Keegan was the bully in the movie. Uh, Joey. Oh, Joey. Joey. I, yeah. Um, and he uh, he's definitely your typical uh, 90s guy as well um, with Andrew Keegan. I, I don't know many things he, he went on to do afterwards. But, um, you know, he was in Party of Five, Seventh Heaven. Um, he was in O as well yeah. with Julia Stiles. Um, so yeah, he was kind of, uh, the teen, I guess, uh, antagonist back in the day. Uh, David Krumholtz, as I mentioned, um, who's gone on to be in a bunch of different <coughs> things, uh, numbers on CBS. Um, you know, and he's gone to play a lot of different roles. Uh, he plays, Dad, obviously, let's, let's talk about his big role before this. Uh, you tell right? me the Santa Claus. <laughs> The Santa yeah, Claus, yes. The elf. Yes, yeah. that was Bernie? the elf. That's right. I think it was Bernie, yeah. Yes. Bernie yes. the elf. Great, great role. Um, but he plays Michael Ekman. He plays uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's best friend. Um, but, yeah, he went on to do some things. And then there's also some you know smaller appearances. Gabrielle Union's in this movie. Uh, I think she's like 25 at the time, if I was doing my math correctly. Um, but, yeah, she plays kind of the – the jealous best friend of uh, of Bianca. Her name's Chastity. Uh, we have Larry Miller, uh, who plays Mr. Stratford. Uh, just, you know, one of those classic, uh, those guys, when you see him. Uh, and then w- Allison Janney plays uh, Miss Perky, the guidance counselor. Uh, so she has a role in this, a very small role, um, but probably one of those roles, if I guessed correctly by the end credits and some of the stuff I read about this movie uh, pro- probably could have had a bigger role, but maybe just cut for time uh, because this movie is a tight 97 minutes. Uh, they use all that time because for me, you know um, yeah, it's just, it moves, it moves baby. Um, and then one other character I wanted to give a shout out for, cause I really liked his character in the movie. Uh, Daryl Mitchell Mitchell, who plays Mr. Morgan. Uh, he plays, I guess the history professor, the, language professor i don't know exactly if we ever get told what course that is uh history maybe i don't know i um, i assumed it was language like some form of language arts or i don't know but again yeah yeah sure it's a rich school so they probably mixed it all together yeah and uh he uh he just has a lot of the best lines in the movie um and is uh i think is is really he really uses his screen time well so um i'll toss it out to to hands first um I mean, obviously, I mentioned pretty much a lot of the main characters there. So maybe a couple for you that that really stand out when you uh, when you went back to watch this. 
First of all, anyone who complains about how the the age of some of these people in this movie, like Gabrielle Union being twenty five, and complain about the, the how old some of them look, uh, if if you're a fan of Grease. Uh, they're like oh. uh, Stalker Channing's well, like no. fifty years old, and she's playing like an eighteen-year-old. No, listen Jeez. when I when I when I did the math on it for all the others, everybody else was like within range. I would say no. it was like all right, Bianca was playing like you know a sophomore, but she was like nineteen. Right. But the only one that stood out was Gabrielle Union. She was like twenty-five. But yeah. I mean, um, she, she also, at least Gabrielle yeah. Union looked younger. Um, no, yeah, I I think she looked yeah. the part. Yeah, no, no Jeff course, Conway, yeah. Jeff Conway playing Kaniki looked like he was sixty-two. Uh, in Greece, uh, so that that kind of thing, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I always think it's funny. I don't know if that maybe it's like a callback to Greece and says like, let's cast thirty year olds to play eighteen year olds. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I I mean you, you went through a lot of the cast on here. Uh, the, a lot of them were were not really well known names yet. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt yeah. was just coming off of um, Third Rock from the Sun, so he you know he was. He was on that for a couple of years, but he wasn't a household name. I, I I think that may have won some awards, but as part of like an ensemble cast on that kind of show, it, it, usually you'll see those those people dip away into obscurity and never hear from again. Um, he kind of went the opposite direction, and and it, his career really took off after Ten Things I Had About You. He's still the best live action Robin that we have in the DC Universe movies. So um so there's that. Uh, so I'm glad he got that role to to play a, a superhero. Um. Heath Ledger, we talked about. Uh, you know, he went on to. Uh, I'm not even in said, touch it. in said Batman <laughs> universe. He, he played the yeah. Joker, as we all know and love. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of a lot of these they were they're definitely '90s people, and you know, a handful of them went on to have successful careers. I mean, even Julia Stiles, who was big at a time, she would pop up every once in a while. She was in um, Silver Linings Playbook and, and a few other things recently. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this was a weird mix of, you know, Larry Miller was always around and, and Alice and Janney. Um, they, they had some people who, who people were familiar with and it was a, it was good to see people with like acting experience and just well-known faces and then have gotcha. some new faces come out. Um, that, that bully guy, um, I don't, I, I, I hate him. Um, Andrew Keegan, I guess I'm <laughs> supposed to. I hate him. Yeah, I really yeah, do. He plays a really good. Uh, <laughs> he really. And there's not one likable character, and I and he's he's a villain. He's not he's not an antihero or an or a, right, um, yeah, or an antagonist. He's a straight up. I can't say the word on here. I think he's kids a heel. Listen to this. He's a heel. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, but he plays that role really role. well. Very. Everyone very well played cast. this role really well, and All and right. whether or not and something like and Greg, you you had mentioned was it elevated for, um, for some. Comedic purposes, yes, it was. But I, I think the chemistry with all the cast of a lot of these unknown actors or people who were just coming up, they it feels like they they was just very it, it was very it seemed like they were very comfortable with each other and they were very confident in doing doing the scenes with each other and there was a lot of good chemistry between everyone. Uh, and you know we we know a couple of these names that are still acting today and. You know, it was a good movie to kind of propel for them because it was we're closing yeah. out the '90s, which, in my opinion, after this, like teen movies kind of started started that down that downward trend. But mm. you know, definitely, I don't know, definitely, definitely a movie of the time. So, Papa, I'll throw it to you. Uh, Hanratty didn't give me anyone interesting that he uh, enjoyed from the movie. I, um, I, other I, than yeah, everybody. I mean, Everybody, I don't know. I I can't think of like one standout. I, I, if I had to go with gotcha. one, okay. I, I would go That's with fine. Larry Miller because he I 
he's uh, he is funny in the little screen time that he has. I mean, he has some pretty big scenes, but he's good. He's funny when he has to be, and when he has some serious scenes, he, he kills it. There you go. Uh, Papa, for you, who who stood out in the movie for you? Um, I think the standouts were definitely Heath Ledger. Uh, very, very magnetic, uh, and Larry Miller, um, very funny. Larry Miller, it, it's interesting because uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. My brain always gets crossed with him and David Koechner. I, I just like <laughs> they look similar and yeah. can occasionally have similar delivery. So, uh, and they're both usually in comedies. So I kind of get them uh, crossed, even though I know they're distinctive individuals but i i think um larry miller is uh funnier um i think he's got a very sharp and uh kind of i wouldn't say sarcastic but just a very deadpan delivery as opposed to keckner who usually plays like goofy characters um but yeah i think the standouts for me heath ledger and um and larry miller and Julie, uh, Julia Stiles also did a really good job, although I think she had some really good dialogue, which I'll touch on later. But yeah. those were the three standouts for me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny for me because this feels like it should be a Julia Stiles movie. And, I, you know, I think I agree with you with just Heath Ledger's uh, charisma. It's really a shame that we didn't get to see more roles for him like this. Like I, 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 I know, I don't know how many people have seen a Knight's Tale or if you guys have, but like, not that like, that's the same exact type of role, but he tries to play a charming, um, you know, suave dude. And, uh, I think that really comes through on, uh, on this, um, really well, uh, for me. So you, you and I were talking about this at lunch today, cause I had mentioned, I don't know that I've seen and him in any other roles outside of this and the dark Knight. Yeah. And I was looking at his filmography. I have seen a few other, but like they were minor roles. He was in Monsters Ball. He was um right. uh the son Lord of a character. Yeah, I didn't see that. Monsters Ball and The Patriot were the only two other things I've seen him in, which he was the yeah. son of a character in that also. Mel Gibson's character. But um I love but the all of his roles were were not memorable uh for me, except for this of the stuff that I've seen, I should say. Yeah. Um except for this and the dark night. And uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of strange that, you know, we had a rising star and uh, unfortunately he was just gone. Anton Yelchin, I think was kind of like that too. We, we definitely lost yeah. him before his time. Yeah. Uh, one other quick note about ledger also, you know, I, I don't mean to generalize, but as I was listening to him deliver his dialogue, I swear if I close my eyes, it sounds like Chris Hemsworth. I don't, Ooh. did you guys catch that at all? He just, he, and I, like, you know, I don't mean to say that all Australians sound similar or anything, but even right. not like his accent, his delivery, the tone of his voice, it maybe just it sounded very same Chris area. Hemsworth. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're yeah. from the same region of Australia. Um, mm. I'm, Good to be interesting to do the research, but I didn't notice that. But uh, that's interesting that you picked that up for it <laughs> um, in regards to it. So um, I just kind of wanted to go over kind of the plot and then we'll kind of jump into some some moments from the movie that I think uh, stood either out for us or 
um, was interesting. So um, as I, as I mentioned a little bit, so Bianca wants to go on a date, uh, but she doesn't want to date Cameron. Cameron would like to date her. Uh, but this, this is, this is what I love about rom-coms is just like trying to explain it and the convoluted nature that ends up happening. So Bianca wants to go out with Joey, but she can't go out with Joey because her sister cat, uh, can't go, doesn't go out. So father changes the rule and says, listen, when cat dates, you can date. So finally, uh, Heath Ledger is paid by Joey, our, our man, Andrew Keegan, uh, the, the, the villain of the movie, um, to go take Kat out on a date so he can take Bianca out on a date. Meanwhile, this is all Cameron and Michael's secret plan that they arranged to have happen. Um, so this way, Cameron can slip in and actually be with Bianca because he's madly in love with her. Um, all this ensues, uh, throughout the movie. There's, there's the big bogeys party, uh, that they go to at the high school party. Uh, we see Patrick and Kat, uh, getting closer together as Patrick is hired, uh, to go out on, on dates with her. And we see, is there a little bit more to this? Um, and that all leads, uh, up because like, honestly, and you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second guys, but this movie really moves. They don't really spend a lot of time having a lot of heartfelt dialogue. Um, they're just kind of jumping from plot point to plot point. Um, and so what ends up happening is we find out that Joey, he really is the villain. Um, and you know, Cameron and Bianca end up, you know, starting to date. And then we were left with the big mystery of Kat and Patrick and, will Patrick tell cat? Um, and that kind of lingers, uh, throughout the whole movie. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into it here a little bit. As I mentioned, the movie moves really fast. Um, I, I don't, I could probably, you could probably count on one hand. I, I made some notes here. Um, you know, there's a scene where Patrick and cat are sitting, are sitting on the swings together after the party and they kind of have a heartfelt moment. Um, there's the cat and Bianca scene chatting, talking about, you know, boys and, and why cat is the way she is, uh, in her room, I think right before prom, um, there's the prom night scenes between, you know, Cameron and, and Bianca, um, and all, all, all while this, this cloud of Patrick is lying to, to cat the whole time, um, about go, you know, why he actually is doing this in the first place. Um, which, you know, all romantic comedies hang on this. Um, so, yeah, so the movie moves. Uh, you guys mentioned it earlier a little bit, but the removal of all tech in this movie, like there's not a scene where they're at the computer lab. I think there's like a, a video camera at some point uh, that like gets pulled out, but it's not like really used in the movie. Um, obviously, this is like way, not way before cell phones because cell phones were a thing, but like way before the iPhone, uh, which was a game changer. Um you know, there, there's a lot of the marketing, a lot of stuff I read that Ledger's supposed to be the bad boy in this, but I, I look at him as more just a mysterious guy um, than he is a bad boy because I didn't really see a lot of bad boy tendencies other than he doesn't really seem to interact with a lot of people at school and he maybe wears like, I don't know, a leather jacket. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I disagree with that because he he was very standoffish in the beginning and then okay. – and also, like, there was the one scene where um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and David Crumholtz approached – I think David Crumholtz was there. They approached him in shop class. Yeah. And he had, like, the drill and just yeah, straight and up – Yeah, he drills it into the, the yeah, book. Like, yeah, like, that's a bad boy move. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this whole school seems to just be filled filled with uh, kids who who don't get in any trouble um, in regards to that. So, so Hans, uh, you can break the tie for us. Uh, Heath Ledger, bad boy, or just a little mysterious? I I, I mean both, but but we're, the one thing that we haven't even noticed is the fact that um, he's getting paid by Joey to take Cat out, and he pockets the money, so he's pretty much a thief because he buys the guitar with Joey's money for Cat. So he just steals right. Joe. He just steals Joey's money, no problem. Now, well, in the I end, mean, it, he's being it turns paid out for, to be for a the service. Good. Yeah, no, yeah. Good. It never. It, he, he, I think. I think um, Heath Ledger's character uh, said that. Oh yeah, I'm, like he was tallying up the movie date expenses, but I think he was just being funny with that. I don't think there was ever any plans to spend that money towards dates. It was just he was going to pocket it and use it for whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, still, I, I'm just saying. In the end, he just took the money, and then he wasn't. Uh, whatever. It's, I mean, it's, he did the service, <laughs> right? He did. That's cat. true. I, I. That's true. This is this is borderline prostitution <laughs> at this point. Like, I, I, oh, if boy. you think about it. Um, but that's a whole different story. He's. <laughs> I think he's just misunderstood, and that's why you know. You, let, let's bring it back to a show we talked about recently. It's the uh, old Ted Lasso, the uh, the Walt Whitman quote: "Be curious, not judgmental." And a mm. lot of people, he probably was very standoffish, and they didn't ask questions. They didn't know anything about him. There were a lot of rumors of where he went and what, why he was out of school, and they thought he was in prison or he was they had all these crazy stories about him. He, he ate yeah. a duck. He ate a duck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Joe Center, he was hanging out with his grandpa, watching Wheel of Fortune, and and just being nice. He's a yeah. nice guy. Well, He's no one ever, no one ever asked him. So I exactly, actually, I think, I think that quote, I think that quote, Henry, would make a good tattoo for you. Um, if you, you ever were thinking it? about cross my oh, neck, I don't, I don't sure if that's what you want to do. I'm just knuckles letting you know. <laughs> um, <Be> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so a couple other things I uh, wanted to note uh, that I loved about this movie. Uh, all filmed in Seattle, no sets. Um, you could actually look up the address of the Stratford uh, house which I did on Google afterwards just to see what it looks like today. Um, I thought it was, well, I thought it was a really cool house. I, I really liked it. Um, you know, the high school that we mentioned is actually a real high school uh, stadium, high school in Seattle uh, looks incredible. I, I don't know if I answered the question that I even asked Greg earlier uh, would totally go there. Look super cool. Look super um, like of the romantic period of just like, I guess, Gothic and like stuff like that of just like, Almost like a like some out of Hogwarts. So like I'm in on that building. So you're more like... fascinated by the look of the school than the crowds. Got it. Yeah. Well, I, I asked about the design and I thought it was cool. It had that little <laughs> tucked away scene where they like uh, they like go to meet these kids down the stairwell and it's like, where does the stairwell go? And it's like nobody knows, but like that's where we go. <laughs> Um, there's like no rules at the school. That's another thing that I love. They <laughs> they don't really get into the nitty gritty a lot about school. Um, or like any of the classes other than the one class I mentioned earlier, which could have been language arts or something, um, you know, for it. But yeah, um, I had, a, I had a really fun time, uh, with this movie. I don't, I don't know if I even mentioned that yet, but, um, and I did watch this with the wife. The wife was smitten by this movie, um, which leads me to my next point, uh, of the Heath Ledger performance of, uh, what's it called? Frankie Valley's, um, I should have wrote down the song name. Uh, just to uh, can't take my eyes off you. Yeah, yeah. When he when he performs that, mwah, Chef's Kiss, uh, all everything you're looking for in a classic rom com movie. Um, 
you know, and I would say Julia, Julia Stiles' character looked the exact same way my wife's character looked or the my, way my wife looked uh, while watching that scene. Um, so, so hands, I'll, uh, I'll toss it over to you. If you have a couple, uh, you know, points you want to make about some, either some stuff I skipped over or some things that were standing out for you in, in the film before, um, we toss it over to Papa. So the one thing I, I and I, I did want to point out is, and this happens a lot in movies, uh, and I, I had all my notes is the comparison of this and the movie. She's all that. Uh, if you've seen that, these movies have similar stories. You have not seen that. Um, well, it's kind of a similar storyline where they take someone who's not, I, I wouldn't say they're, you know, they're unattractive, but very unpopular and they have to turn her into the prom queen. And, uh, I forget who's in it. Uh, that guy, uh, man, Freddie Prince, Freddie Prince, Freddie Prince and, uh, Rachel E. Cook. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of like a similar thing where it's, it's similar to where Armageddon and Deep Impact came out on the same, in the same year. And, and. So I just want to point that out that this thing's been going like I, I, I always think it's funny when they do that because I, I've explained this movie to someone. And they're like, oh, she's all that. Um, so who, whoever saw whatever idea, they stole it off Shakespeare. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's it. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know. There's a lot. There's a couple things in this where I, I guess I'll, I'll take back a little bit of my point where it's just like I guess it wasn't entirely like high school as I think because I didn't really go to parties in high school. But I know for a fact that parties like this and in this movie and Can't Hardly Wait or movie parties in general do not happen like that oh, where you're, you have 100 a people. Party. When you love have about 150 people that you've never communicated with in your entire life in one room and they're dancing on the tables and, and they have kegs. Sorry, and, Bogey. And, your house is ruined. <laughs> Dude, I play, Bogey uh, yeah. Lowenstein. Yeah. <laughs> I just – sorry. I, I, I don't right, mean to interrupt, but no, I want to say the, character like, the opening I, I, shot of that where he's like getting ready to hand out the stogies as high schooler, mind you. And like yeah. they, you think it's like a classy like whatever, and then just everybody the, rushes in. The doorbell rings, and he's like, "That must be Nigel with the brie." And <laughs> yeah. like, you can actually see Nigel carrying brie as he's coming in, being <laughs> yes. swallowed um, up by the crowd. But but movies that have that like those big parties, I always laugh because I don't think they ever existed. And if they did, they were broken up, and at least in Philadelphia, in a matter of twenty minutes. These things go for at least two to three hours before the cops show up where it's yeah. just like the cop. Yeah. Um, but Bogey's house is a nice house to throw a party in. Um, but I, I always just think it's funny in those kind of things because it's just like, oh, the cops come. And it's like, oh, good. The party's been going on for five hours. So the, the neighbors just complain. Um, but yeah, the the one thing I, I, I thought about with this movie is, you know, it, it, it I guess you could say it's, your, it's a very predictable storyline where – Halfway through the movie, you know that Patrick and um and uh, why is her name and Cat are going to end up together, and Bianca and and Joseph Gordon Levitt are going to end up together, and it's She's not classic rom com. You're not you're not really reinventing the wheel with movies and rom coms. I just think it's the execution on this, and like I said, with the chemistry, and just the, I just think it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's an original story, but I think it, they do a good job at putting their own twist on a on something that no one would initially care about. If, if they said, if they called this taming of the shrew and made it back in Shakespeare's time, it probably would flop. No one would, no <laughs> one would be interested in it. Um, but one thing I, and I wanted to bring to you guys and, and I put on my notes in, in terms of social media's ex, like non-existence back then. Do you think this movie would a be able to be made today with the same, keep the same storyline, 
do you think it'd be able to be made in this type of society today with like technology and social network? Like, would you think it'd be possible to pay someone to go out on a date with someone and then not know about it and kind of have this whole little plan go through? And I just think, oh man, I don't know. You could already, you could already write the jokes now. So like when cat, if cat discovered it earlier in the movie, so all those Venmos for pizza that you had, you weren't actually delivering pizzas. You were, you know, this was all just to go on dates with me. Like I'm just, I'm writing, writing it now for it. Yeah, this could absolutely happen now. I'll answer your question now, but I'll throw it. All right, would it be as would it be as successful and 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 have high quality 100, as, 100%. as this one? <laughs> you know what they they should do? They should go to whatever high school they want to go to or whatever college they want to go to, and say, "Hey, you're not doing summer courses for kids this year. We're filming because one of the biggest revelations from this movie for me is filming on set." Over the summer in Seattle at this school. I'm sick of these garbage shows and movies that are like <laughs> tucked away in these little rooms. And it's like, we're at the high school. And it's like, dude, it's a crappy set. You don't have – it doesn't look good. This looked great. That's that's my spiel for that. Yeah, 100% could work. Ran out of school for the summer. Sorry to all you kids who failed. You're held back a year. Times are hard. We're filming. Papa. Okay. I I don't know if audiences would be as receptive to the concept of paying someone to date someone else now. Um, and, you know, I don't – I really hate the term woke and all of that stuff. But I feel like – and I, you know what? I'm not even going to use that. But I, I just feel like we have progressed beyond the point where – that would work as a means of comedy. Um, you know, this in a vacuum watching this uh, and, you know, recognizing that it's of its time, it works. But I don't know that if you played a trailer for this with that concept, teens today would flock to see it. And also along those lines, I don't think um, – I don't think this genre really exists anymore. I can't remember the last like teen comedy or teen rom-com. Like everything that comes out that's targeted to teens is like YA stuff. You know, it's young adult. It's very melodramatic and, and kind of sappy. Well, maybe not sappy, but you know, there's always some issue going on. Uh, and it's more, more dramatic than, um, than comedic so i i don't even know if there would be interest in this type of movie let alone the specifics of the plot so i would say i i think the last real teen movie and i i was actually probably if i think of it was not, uh, at least enjoyable one was not another teen movie which spoofed <laughs> this this right genre <laughs> Um, which if you haven't seen, I, I highly recommend. I don't normally enjoy spoof movies, um, but this one is actually very, very, very good. Um, I, I guess I, I don't mean I, – I, and you could have changed I, the – I guess the uh, the story a little bit where like you're not necessarily at, like having to pace one. But look at the movie uh, – the Jennifer Lawrence movie just came out, No Hard Feelings. I think that's kind of the a basic concept of this where – that's they're, adult. That's not teen themed. I guess you're okay. That's fair. That's he's, right. he's going into college. You know. Okay. I didn't see it, so I'm. So I, I. I. Or I didn't see too much. I oh, saw I like one seen trailer. It's yeah. Just in the trailer. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. I think I saw the trailer once. I did looked okay, but I know a lot of people are talking and saying good things about it. So, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I feel like maybe just in terms of some of this stuff, it, it just social media, I don't, I don't think would, it, this story would work in the age that we're in now, because I feel like you wouldn't be able to keep a secret like that from someone mm, with true. Twitter and, and Facebook and all that <laughs> goofy stuff. Well, this is, this is one of my big problems with the movie is like, we don't get the resolution of, Heath Ledger's Patrick character telling her until the very end of the movie or for her finding out um, until like prom night. And then there's like zero resolution with that dealt afterwards. It's like, you know, we have the, we have the Julia Stiles, you know, poem reading scene. And then like Jill timed it on her phone. And it was like literally two minutes after that, there's like the kiss and, you know, the after and like Chris mentioned with the guitar being given to her and it's like, so that's it. Like she's cool with it. And like, they, you know, there's the joke about like, well, I could always buy the drums or the bass and like stuff like that. And I, I think, I think the, the beats are all there, uh, but I would love it if this movie, if he, if she would have discovered it so much earlier and they're dealing with that fallout of like, how could you keep that from me? And like, can I trust you like throughout the rest of the movie? I think that would have been a little bit more sufficient. And I wonder, like, how many rewrites they had to do to get this down to a tight 97 minutes um, to, like, cut things out. Like, maybe they're, you know, I, I would say an original plan would have been, hopefully, to, like, reveal this earlier. But, you know, uh, to deal with it. But that's just me. So I, I think it, I think it really could work. Um, and I would love to see it. Uh, let's bring it back. Let's get some young, cool people yeah, probably, to, to be in it. Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega yes, and, and, and love Jenna. and what the, and, and David yeah, Corn no Sweat, David Corn Sweat, yeah, there's no yeah. put David Corn Sweat um, in it. Cool, he'll play a high school kid. Love it. <laughs> He's the cool first year college kid who comes out to hang out, and he can't wait to go to prom. Uh, look, I'm already writing it. We we got this. Oh man, you you would love so, can hardly wait because there's a character like that in it. So so, Papa, I'll throw it over to you. Obviously, Hanratty gave some of the the big points for him, and uh, I know there was a couple points I think we match on that you were mentioning earlier. But um, go ahead with uh, some of your bullet points for for the film. Yeah, so I mean, Hans brought it up, but um, I am actually one of those people that will complain about the the age look of the characters. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt and Cat and Bianca. I feel like look the part of teens uh, and yeah, chastity too. I'm talking more so main characters. Um, yeah. But you know, when you get into Heath Ledger's Patrick and, uh, and Joey and um, even to a lesser extent, um, David Crumholtz character, like they all look like straight up adults, <laughs> like full grown nah. out of, out of high school for at least a few years, adults. And it's really weird to see that mix like again you know we all went to high school i don't know about you guys i can't speak for that and there are occasionally outliers but like i I didn't have anybody in my class that looked like a 25 year old you know (laughs) like they all looked age appropriate so i get it you know it's a movie and you're you're casting and you know you want a good actor but uh or actress but it just uh, – it really stood out here to me. I, I don't know why. Well, um, well I was going to say Heath Ledger was probably like 19 when he when he shot this. And hey, that's fine. I, but he does not look that. He looks older than 19. Oh, well. He's just a good-looking dude. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
I was the opposite. I looked like I was in fifth grade before when I went to high school. <laughs> well, along the lines of high school, another thing I wanted to talk about real quick was dissecting frogs. And I was just curious oh, if any God. of you guys had that no. experience. No. No? Okay. Yes. Yes, you did I dissect, I've dissected. Hold on. I took I took an anatomy and physiology class. I've dissected a worm, a frog, um, a pig fetus, and um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I'm not lying. And you're not a serial killer. Give him a hand, <laughs> folks. Um, yeah, that's no, that's crazy. Were you were you like in advanced science classes, Chris, or were you just in no. standard? Everybody? No, it was it was like I took biology and then I mm. took I forget whatever the science class was, but I took anatomy I and always, physiology. Was, I always thought really maybe cool. that was for smarter kids because I never did it. So, well, all right. So I was in first track. It was for my freshman year of high school, and we had biology. And I was on we, third. I think. We didn't do any dissecting. Mm. Uh, my wife did dissect. She, I, I don't think she did the pig, but she mentioned the worm and the frog, and it was just interesting because, like, every once in a while, you'll see one of these movies where they do it, and I'm like, is that a common experience? Because I, I didn't do that. That I did that uh, senior year. The other so big standout. My biology <laughs> class in in in, in my freshman year was very basic. I think I took biology too, but in senior year, my science was anatomy and physiology because it was mm. it was open. So I was like, all right, this seems cool. It was very, very, very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't I, know if I had this. I never. Um, we we did in pairs, and and uh, the guy I was paired up with um, would do all the dissecting. I just took notes. I didn't. I wasn't touching. I wasn't touching a pig's fetus. <laughs> Um, uh, moving on from that, Harry, I kind of wanted to circle back. You mentioned favorite characters and I totally forgot, but Bogie Lowenstein, love everything <laughs> about this guy. <laughs> love, love the name, love every moment love that he's in the parties. movie. He's just a great comedic side character. Yeah. He's got, you know, the, he's golfing and <laughs> golfing right into the field where everybody's practicing, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is ridiculous uh, and there's even a, a there's joke no about that later school. on yeah yeah exactly um never mind that that's a serious hazard uh you know his his upscale party uh which turns into a total nightmare but love this character um definitely great comedic side character and wish wish i would have got a little more of him and just even his look was goofy as well yeah uh dialogue you know you you, you had mentioned the um to women writers and i am all for that i'm happy that uh, you know this was female written um uh, certainly if two of the major characters are females you would hope that that perspective would be yeah. added and i will say the dialogue especially for cat uh julia styles character it it gave me very early kevin smith vibes it was just mm. um kind of rapid fire very uh intelligent put downs and and witticisms um and a lot of these type of movies you don't really see that level of dialogue now if you had told me the other movies that they had worked on after this which uh, you mentioned legally blonde and do you remember what the other one was the house uh, bunny house bunny oh house bunny yeah Anna i probably Ferris, wouldn't have I guessed believe. it from house bunny and uh, yeah i mean i enjoy house bunny but I don't remember anything on that level and legally blonde. I have not seen, but, um, but yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised by the dialogue. So that was a, a cool little, uh, revelation. And, and I was going to say, 
Sorry, I was just going to tag on in the dialogue just to tie a bow on it, but like very heavy, like Shakespearean type, like even Mm -hmm. I think some of the quotes for it, like, but yeah, definitely the language sticks out um, very heavily uh, on, on watching this compared to, I don't know, just your regular, even just take a standard movie. I wasn't even going to say rom-com, but like even your action thriller where it's like, Jimmy, we have to go to the house. And they're like, you know, the, the dialogue in this is, is definitely turned up to 11, as uh, you referenced earlier in regards to some things. Mm-hmm. Did it make you want to um, watch a retaming of the show? No, I can't say that it did. I, uh, yeah, me neither. I me, me neither. I was just curious. I really it, it did. It did make Jill dive into like four early 2000s rom-com teenage movies. So, Oh, dude, I can um, give her a she list. She went on a binge. Yeah. Well, she's got all her right. own, so she threw on the classics for herself. So she needs to turn. She's all that, and uh, and the other one. Uh, hey, in due can't time, really wait. In due time. All right, go ahead, Papa. Um, along the same lines with the dialogue, I'm looking at more of the technical aspects, but uh, the camera work was very interesting. Like this is something I'm, I'm training myself to kind of look out for more when I watch movies. I mean, obviously, you know, I watch the movie for enjoyment and all these things, but I I also get interested in technique. And um, this definitely had like an elevated visual style compared to standard fare of this genre. Like it was, it was very surprising. There was a 360 shot. Um, yeah, I forget who was in the scene. I want to say it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt and David Krumholtz and the cameras going around them. Right. Uh, there was a crane camera shot where you, you start off like in the sky and then zoom down to the front lawn of Kat and then right into the window as she's on the couch reading a book. Like you're not that's not the type of shot that you would see in yeah. a, a teen romantic comedy. And even they they even um, had the Goodfellas zoom in. So this shot, I think that was the, the very first time it was ever used was Goodfellas, where uh, Ray Liotta's character was sitting at um, the diner table and he stays in focus, but it slowly zooms in and the background gets bigger where you see outside. And they did that with um, uh, Allison Janney's character. Uh, she was yeah. just standing there thinking and it's that same shot. And I'm like, what am I watching here? This is awesome. They so definitely it was had really some, cool. uh, some infl- Yeah. I mean, I could see uh, the director went on to do nothing of note, uh, which I, why yeah, I never that's even what mentioned blew my mind. Yeah. But I wonder if he was like, yo, Scorsese, Tor- Tarantino, like I got some ideas. Let's kick him out. Cause it seemed like that. I mean, I know the f- budget for this movie, I think it was only like 15 million, but they definitely used a lot of that to like, maybe try and set up oh, some yeah. shots and one special shot, which I'm going to save to wrap up at the end. Um, but, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So all that stuff I found very interesting and it definitely helps put the, the movie in kind of a league of its own. Uh, as far as the comedy goes, found it very legitimately laugh out loud, funny. Had some moments. I was, yeah, like I, I was shocked because, um, well, I'll get to another point later on, but like, I just, it, it there were several moments where I I chuckled and then somewhere I was like snorting I, I could not believe huh. it uh, so very enjoyable from that front and then one final note before I I pass it off to you guys again um, 
and I think one of you guys had mentioned this in, in your notes, so sorry if I'm stepping on toes, but um, no, you're good. the the drinking and like the club yeah, stuff, like yeah. I, so you know, it's no look, teens drink, that's a thing. Um, it happens. Sorry, mom. I was one of them uh, later on in my <gasps> teens, much later. Uh, and I do not advise that for teen listeners out here, unless you're in another country where it's legal, then sure. Uh, to moderation. But, but um, they're straight up like going into bars and into clubs and being served. And I'm like looking at my wife and I'm like, what is like, this is definitely la la land like just hollywood nonsense because that would never happen like it just it it does not happen if you're going into a bar looking like you know 14 15 or whatever or you're in high school supposedly and you're getting served probably going to be a dump dive bar it's not going to be anything as nice as what these guys are are going to and for the amount of teens present also it's just it's super weird and unrealistic so i don't know how or why that choice was made but um very very out there and yeah very unrealistic there was uh for anybody who's ever like uh been on a cruise there's like the section of the area where it's like all the adults are and then there's like the teenager club and it'll yeah it'll like club cool i think it's called um (laughs) but like there's there was elements of like when when uh sorry when cats at the concert and patrick goes to like find her and it's like they're like pat patrick ends up at the bar like and i don't know if he has a drink drink or if it's just like he does have soda i mean because maybe he's trying to like impress cat like but but there's definitely like oh so she's at a concert venue on a school night at a place where alcohol is served where i guess maybe she could go and just get alcohol like it just seemed weird, and like I will say, there is also the other scene where Patrick's playing pool, and he's he's definitely yeah. drinking there. But like I also yeah. looked at that as like we all know, like the places where you know maybe they were a little looser with the rules. Um, you know, I do recall shout out to the general uh, when I was uh, nineteen trying to get in for some uh, Phillies championship games at bars where it was like they're gonna card you, and I'm not old enough yet. Um, but please let me in. Um, Actually, and, you, you know, know what? Now, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, that is proof that Patrick is a bad boy because that was a biker bar. Okay. There's no way enough. he's enough. not a bad boy and I, and not getting beat up I and tossed out of there. I stand down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like there's you know that didn't look like the the top of the line. You know they're worried about uh, getting audited if they're letting in teenagers. Um, you know, in regards to it, but. But yeah, definitely, definitely a little loose with the rules there in regards to it. But listen, that's what makes a great teen teen comedy movie: just playing fast and loose with with the rules here. Yeah, it's paddy paddy wax in Northeast Philly that they serve under uh, yeah. underage kids, and they they're they're getting closed down. Like, well, I know, closed down. Yeah, arrested. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they arrested a whole bar. It's in jail. Sorry, right now. Patties. Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, so. With the whole club thing, so I don't know if you guys have ever gone to either Egypt or Club Shampoo uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, I'm aware we, of both of them. I've never was, actually been to either. Okay, it, a lot. It was, it was a good time. Seven. It's <laughs> seventeen to enter, twenty-one to drink. So a mm. lot of the places you can go in, you just can't drink. But maybe that'll shed some light. I on didn't see. Maybe you, they I didn't exist. see her wearing any wristbands. I did hear her okay. say she's going. She needs agua, and she went and got a couple yeah. waters. So they were pretty right. honest there. But I didn't see any. Uh, you know. Didn't really I look assumed too, it was like club shampoo. Too strict. Yeah, 
That's fair enough. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was a club I was a clubber in my day. Clearly, clearly. Uh, yeah. So that's I mean I have some final thoughts when we get to it, but that's those gotcha. are my basic things I wanted to touch on. Um, yeah, hands. One, anything else? Anything else? One thing you? before I just wrap it up, and I agree with one of the shots. Great. My favorite shot in this movie is the end, the end credits with the soundtrack um, when they're singing "I Want You to Want Me," and they have that aerial view of the band playing, and there's a lot of zoom in yeah, shots of them. Absolutely. Um, sick. So. Love that, love that whole thing. Uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, I bopped it until I was probably in my mid twenties, um, which is which is a long time. Um, I love that version. I want you to want me is probably my favorite version of the song. Um, but yeah, uh, just uh, just great soundtrack. I actually listened to it a couple days ago in preparation for this. But um, but yeah, I, I love the original version of the song, and this cover was very very good. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, final. I mean, I I can go jump into final thoughts just while mom while I'm on it, unless anyone sure, else says ahead. anything. No, go ahead. Um, since I recommended it, I'm not going to recommend a bad movie, but we'll just <laughs> let's just say wait till Greg's up next because I do have one in 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 the in the canon that I'm ready to fire off. But um, no, yeah, I, I this like I said, this is in my my pantheon of 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 teen movies and um, rom coms. Uh, I would recommend this to anyone. It's still, I think, it's still kind of stands the test of time even though it came out 24 years ago um and still i, I still think so, it's funny it's still you know it, i i i there is some some stuff in here that you i mean i even forgot about um but like greg said there's there's a lot of laugh out loud moments and you know i just i, I have a lot of fun with it so I'm, I'm glad i picked it to go back and, and and rewatch it so four and a half stars out of five nice wow power score um, yeah, I just wanted to address, as, as Hans mentioned, I mean, that aerial shot and during the credits of the movie, shout out letters, letters to Cleo, uh, playing, um, there's actually a funny story I read, uh, where, um, they were, they were talking about that shot and how call how much money it cost. It was like $500,000, um, to just get this helicopter to like do the shot. So it was like, don't stop playing. Um, Free and drones, it's, it's, my guy. Yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty sick scene, uh, in in for an end credit song, and just to have that, like Greg was talking about, like, hey, what do we want to do here? And it's like, I got an idea. We're gonna put a band on this rooftop. Look how flat it is, and we're gonna have them just play, uh, into the credits there. Um, one of the other things I I, I wanted to mention, um, just this felt really like quick resolution, um, for the cat character. You know, we we kind of talked about how strong and how um, boisterous she is. And to kind of have like a two minute wrap up after prom and after she reads her poem um, to kind of just not really give her the time to either deal with it, you know, and kind of just I don't want to say just give in to Heath. Ledger. I mean, it would probably work on me, um, you know, Heath Ledger, uh, you know, kind of swooning in and, and, you know, telling me, you know, I did this all to just get you this guitar. Um, but Papa, what about for you? Did this did this stick out to you in in the ending um, with 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 Cat? Like not, maybe not having enough resolution time for you? Did you think about it? No. Yeah. So for so in the moment as I was watching the movie, there was maybe like a flicker of a thought where I'm like, yeah, she, she did get over that pretty quick, but then it was just it's like to the back minutes. of my mind. Yeah. And it's like well, the credits are rolling. No. Yeah. I look, so I agree. Um, I'm just saying like, as I was watching the movie, I yeah. didn't give it much thought, uh, gotcha. but okay. upon, 
you bringing it up here uh, and reflecting on it more. Yeah, it it probably would have been served with, you know, maybe an additional five minutes or something where we see that process expounded on. Um, You know, Kat is a very strong willed uh, individual and very much confident in herself. So um, for her to not really get that transition and just go from point A to point C uh, Mm. in terms of, you know, forgiving and forgetting. um, Yeah, I felt like a a minor disservice to the character for sure. Gotcha. Um, Then the last thing I just wanted to mention in regards to the movie before I toss it over to Greg for final thoughts and then I'll give my score last – is uh, just reading from IMDb uh, on apparently on the DVD commentary, it's hinted that uh, the, the, and this is what makes the movie, this is what makes the movie special, special to me. And it's, it's a clip that I wouldn't be surprised is played for another 24 years or even longer. And it's, it's Julia Stiles at the end when she reads the 10 things I hate about you poem. Um, and it, man, I, I want to tell you, it hit me. I mean, I even knew it was coming. I've even heard it before. Um, but when you're in that moment watching the movie, um, and it hits you and apparently Julia Stiles did that in one take and those tears were real. Um, and you know, that was kind of, that's kind of the culmination of the movie there. Um, and, uh, you know, pop that up on the YouTube if ever you want to just, just have a, a nice emotional moment. Um, Jill was crying, obviously. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, yeah I know uh, she texted me about it and yeah, and, yeah. I'm sure she did. Um, but yeah, that, Yo, that, why didn't that, I get a text about her crying at Hook? No, listen, <laughs> phone was out for Hook. Well, let's just say that. Um, but yeah, really powerful scene. Um, and like I said, it's one of those movie moments that just you know just hits you, um, even if you've seen it you know a hundred times. Um, but Papa, I'll throw it to you for your final thoughts and, and score. Yeah, so. Uh, I'll back up hands really, really good soundtrack. I don't think I, you know, I mean, obviously I wasn't playing it all the time or anything, but, um, just, you know, going through this movie, I found it very bop worthy. Um, look, this is going to be a hot take here, but I feel like this stands the test of time as opposed to mean girls and mean girls gets a lot of love. So, Here's the thing. Both Mean Girls and this I hadn't seen since their theatrical releases. It's Whoa. like I, I watched it and that was it. Uh, and and now recently, like within the past month, I rewatched Mean Girls and now watch this. And I feel like like this movie gets some love. Um I would say it gets a, a good amount of love, maybe enough, but uh but Mean Girls I feel like is propelled up into like legendary status and i think this is a much much better movie and definitely you know hans mentioned the pantheon yeah it's up there it's in the upper echelon as far as like teen comedies teen uh, rom-coms like it's really good and i'm so thankful that hans chose this movie because if i'm being completely honest i probably never would have revisited this uh maybe much much later down the line just to see like one day when i'm like rounding out heath ledger's filmography or whatever but like i don't know i i don't know that i ever would have gotten back to it so i'm glad that you did and this movie didn't stand out to me when i saw it theatrically when i was in high school 
I was dumb because this is a really good movie and I really enjoyed it. So thank you hands for choosing this movie. Um, glad we got to go back and, and revisit it. 4.25 stars out of five for me. Pew, pew. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely, definitely appreciated the, the, the choice on this one hands. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I think this is a genre for me that's just lacking in my filmography. So it's hard for me to compare uh, with other ones that you guys are talking about. Cause as Hanratty mentioned, his other two Pantheon movies, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen mean girls. Um, what? I, I, yeah. Really? I haven't seen that's it. surprising. Yeah. Wow. I, I figured seen... Joe would have made you watch it. <laughs> yeah. You would think, um, but she's not that much of a bully. She just, you know, puts things on, um, you know, she watched John Tucker must die. She's the man. Uh, bring it on. Uh, those were just a couple of the films she threw on in the last week. Thanks to this. Um, and I would say those are the only way I've watched those, um, except for bring it on, which I watched when I was like 13. So, um, but I gave this 3.75 out of five. If you had to push me on it, I probably would lean more closer to four than I would to three and a half. Um, because I'll have to do that for my letterbox review. Um, but I had a lot of fun with this. Like I said, there's, there's, you know, some camera work. Um, I will say one thing on the soundtrack. I wasn't a huge fan. There was a couple moments where I was like, Oh, is this going to be a song that I relate to in the nineties? Uh, and there wasn't. Um, so some of them just went by me and I was like, that, that was okay. Um, but you know, I think that comes with our age differences of, you know, being out in the world at 14 and me stuck at home playing with Legos, um, around the neighborhood. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, Thank you, Hands, for that pick. Yeah, and shout out, Hands. Next up, we have my pick, which was Hook. Hook. Um, yes, 1991's Hook, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. Shocked me. Never knew that. Um, <laughs> starring uh, starring Robin Williams, uh, you know, in another um, – I, I mean, I guess this – would you guys call this maybe the beginning of the, uh, of the Robin Williams – I mean, I guess Dead Poets Society would probably be in 89 <laughs> – well, he had he had Dead Poets Society. He had um, Good Morning Vietnam, which I think was like yeah. one of his first leading was movies. I don't okay. know. I'm I've, just uh, keep going. Just, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah just I curious. Got, no, I got, just I got, thinking, I got thinking about the time, um, you know, of just this kind of, you know, because I'm uh, my first 87. introduction. Eighty-seven. Okay, so this yeah. is this is right in kind of the the heart of I would say the Robin Williams time. Um, you know, uh, just doing some slight digging on this movie. Uh, it cost about almost seventy-five million to make, which I guess back in ninety-one, you know, you got to think about, and it made uh, over three hundred million at the box office. Um, and this is uh, this serves as a sequel to the nineteen eleven novel Peter and Wendy, focusing on adult Peter Pan who has forgotten his childhood in his new life. He is known as Peter Banning, a successful but unimaginative workaholic lawyer with his wife wendy's granddaughter and two children however his old arch nemesis captain hook kidnaps his children returns and he has to return to neverland to save them along the journey he reclaims the memories of his past and becomes a better person shout out shout out to the pan man um so yeah, as I mentioned, surprising this was a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, but as I mentioned, stars Robin Williams, but also uh, it's not light on cast, uh, similar to our other movie. Uh, Dustin Hoffman plays uh, the key role of Hook. Uh, Julia Roberts, who plays Tinkerbell, which uh, we'll get into, 
Bob Hoskins, who mwah, chef's kiss on that uh, SME casting there. Uh, Maggie mm. Smith, who at the time was 52, but watching her in this movie. <laughs> Bro, all she looks, she looks so much older, the- th- almost 30 something years ago. To what she looks like now. It's insane. So she got the Sophia Petrillo <laughs> treatment, you know, from Golden so, Girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will say, I will say, I said 52. I think she was 56, but they had some makeup done to her, and she looks not a, she looks exactly how she looks today. Um, I had to Google it to make sure that it was. Yeah, I, I'm like, yeah. in my mind, I knew it was her, and I Googled it. I'm like, it, it can't be her because she looked like she was, she looked like she was 96 in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, she was only in her 50s. Insane. That was yeah. and it was it was good makeup too. I mean, it it didn't look yeah. you know really it was ahead of its time from because Titanic. It, it, it predicted it predicted the future as far as uh, <laughs> of how she would look. Um, so uh, yeah, Maggie Smith. Uh, there's a Phil Collins cameo in this. He plays uh, the inspector uh, early in the movie. Um, he literally, I think, for one scene. Um, there's a couple other cameos which, if if you guys know, I'll let you guys throw them out later. Um, in regards to some things, but, but yeah, so, uh, you know, I would say this is the thing with a lot of Disney, I would say old timey stories. Um, it's just, we're all familiar with them. We've, we've been told them since we were kids, there's always the adaptations, you know, I think now the rights just recently for Pinocchio is like available. So we got the Guillermo del Toro, like it's not in the, um, you know, basically anybody can use it as opposed to like, licensing for it. Like yeah. why we got Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. So <laughs> public domain. As we yeah, yeah, public domain. Thank you, Greg. I couldn't think of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, this I think this was something, you know, when I was reading about it after watching it, because this was definitely a movie afterwards. It, you know, as I mentioned, it was released over Christmas of 91. It just feels of a time. Um, and it just feels, you know, as I mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the, what I loved about, uh, 10 things I hate about you was just how it was just filmed on location, you know, in these schools, there were no sets built. This on the other hand is completely, you know, built there. There's no Neverland we're heading to, um, in regards to it. There might've been some, you know, exterior shots in, uh, I don't even know where the family lives in the beginning of the movie, but, um, San Francisco, um, I think it's yeah. It's got to be somewhere on the west coast because yeah. it was December, but you know it's sunny yeah, it out, nice. and no yeah. snow or anything. Playing exactly. Baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. The note I have here uh, on uh, on Wikipedia says San Francisco. So, um, yeah. But anyway, um, you know, and the and the the thing about this movie too, which which I'll mention, is this was nominated for five Oscars: uh, set decoration, costume design, best makeup visual effects and original song. Um, and this had just fantastic set design. Um, one of the things is like, you really feel like they could have taken the set, put it in Disney world or Disneyland somewhere. And you're walking in and you think you're freaking in Neverland. I, you know, <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, the, the, that's like one of the best compliments I can pay to this movie is it looks like the set decoration, the costumes like this is all designed very, very well. Um, uh, as a, as with any Steven Spielberg movie, you're going to get a John Williams score for it. And John Williams helps out with the, with the score on this one. Um, and this had a very Harry Potter vibe to me um, when rewind. Well, not rewatching when first watching. Um, I just, I don't know. It just, the Harry Potter theme just kept getting stuck in my head as I watched this, um, which shout out Harry Potter theme. 
uh, in regards to that. So, um, shout out the theme and not John Williams. <laughs> well, listen, John, everybody knows John Williams is the goat. He's the goat. Yeah. Um, what? I tell you no, it's, it's Hans Zimmer. Stop. It's, it's, listen, it's Hans no, Zimmer. listen, it's, you can have different goats in generations. Like the Michael Jordan LeBron debate, there's the goat, Michael Jordan, and then, you know, it's LeBron. Like we have Hans Zimmer and we have John Williams. Let's not pit them against each other. Let's just be happy we lived in the time where we were able to appreciate both. I think we've you know got what I mean? a topic for another episode, boys. <laughs> um, so I'll get in a little bit into the plot and kind of the story. Um, <laughs> this um, look, I like I was just going on a little bit about like we all know kind of the story of Peter Pan. I mean, heck, you could ride a ride in Disney World that'll basically spell out the the movie of Peter Pan to you. Um, and this is an interesting take. Um, and, you know, maybe that'll actually be the first question I pose to you guys in regards to this is when you think about, I guess, the story of Peter Pan. Um, and I guess, Greg, I'll go to you first since you nominated this movie. And then I'll have another question follow up for you, Greg. Um is this like your go-to when you're like thinking of, Hey, I want to introduce my daughter to Peter Pan or I, I need my Peter Pan fix. Um, is this, is this what you're pulling up? Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and list all the other stuff if you don't have anything off the top of your head, but you know, is this kind of your go-to for it? Because for me, I don't really have anything, um, in regards to that. So this was, um, an interesting movie for me from that perspective. So let me throw it to you for that. Yeah, so my go-to for Peter Pan himself um, would be the Disney animated version. You can't you can't fully appreciate this movie if you don't have a familiarity with Peter Pan. So it just it it doesn't work on all the fronts that it should. Yeah, um, because you're just looking at a guy with no reference to. Neverland or, you know, the history of Wendy and, you know, this being a fictional story tying into real. So I don't know. I would, I would introduce my, um, my daughter to Disney's Peter Pan first. Uh, I do remember as a child prior to hook coming out, um, the other adaptation that was in my rotation was, um, there was a live action version, I think I think it was made for TV, but I'm not 100% certain. But um, yeah, I want to say who was it? It wasn't Angela Lansbury, was it? There was like a female lead that played Peter Pan. Are you talking about the play? It was like a play version of it. Yeah, I believe so. I, had I think that it was a play, but, but I think it was mm. made for TV also. Yes, my um, my grandparents put it on like VHS for me. Um, I watched it like all the time. Uh, I'll I'll find out. Um, yeah, so so those were like kind of my two versions in rotation um, for Peter Pan, but but yeah, so like I wouldn't I wouldn't say this would be the go to for introducing someone to that character, but certainly for me, um, once I saw this, uh, this this did become the go to, and it was like. Hey, this is the natural extension of the story, and this is how Peter Pan ends yeah. up, and this becomes my canon now. You know, this is yeah. this is representative of that. And um, I was actually giving this some thought, and sorry, I don't mean to run away with the question, but no, um, go ahead. I think so. It's interesting because as a child, I was 
more open to the concept of, hey, this is a natural extension of the character. I wasn't familiar with Peter and Wendy being a book and this being based off of that. I just thought there was Peter Pan. That was it. And then I see this movie and it kind of blew my, you know, little um, seven or eight year old <laughs> mind. And I was like, oh, Peter grows up and there's this yeah. whole thing. Like, it was very cool. I think if this movie had been released when I was a teenager and maybe even in my 20s, I probably would have been more reticent to accept this and just been like, oh, it's why are they ruining a good thing? Like, you don't need to go into all this. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen the story Peter Pan. That's good enough for me. I don't need an extension of the characters now <laughs> in my advanced age um i am a little more open to uh those adaptations again uh kind of like i was as a child and like you know you brought up gdt's pinocchio perfect example there like um that's not the traditional pinocchio which would be the disney version yeah my pinocchio but i i gave it a shot because i love um guillermo del toro just like i would give this a shot if it were released now because i love spielberg um <clears throat> and it opened my my eyes and my mind and I'm like, hey, you know, I, I do like continuations or variations of the character. Yeah. So like and one more thing, just to give you a perfect example, like I don't you know, they I think they tried something a little different with didn't they release like a Hugh Jackman movie? I don't know if he was I think he was like hooked or something he, in a he, Peter Pan adaptation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, was it yeah. Hugh Jackman? Um, yeah, I think so. I feel like that was like a decade ago, maybe a little less. But like when that came out, like I didn't have any interest. It's like I have Peter Pan. I have Hook, you know, but I think now I would be a little more opening open yeah, to revisiting that. Hugh Jackman played Blackbeard and um, it was Garrett Hedlund who was who was Hook. OK, interesting. Blackbeard was in a Peter Pan movie. Yeah. Oh. Um, and thank you for that. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's. <laughs> A long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what you had a follow-up question? Well, I wanted to get Hans's take first because I had a different question to ask. Sure, um, but sure. yeah, Hans, uh, what about for you? Is this your your go-to as far as uh, you know? I mean, listen, like I said, I think the story of Pan uh, or Peter Pan can be told in many different forms. Whether you read a book about it, you see a play as a kid, um, is this your kind of go-to um, in regards to to it? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I, there's so many different variations of, of of Peter Pan out there that that. And I was six when this came out, so even when this came out, I didn't even see this in theaters. Like I saw this probably when I was maybe in my like turning ten or eleven. So, mm. um, I, uh, I I would say that I, I I believe I I don't even know if I've seen the animated version of Peter Pan, um, or at least if I have, <laughs> I haven't seen all of it. I think I've seen like the more recent versions of it of of yeah. of pan but i like uh, i know the story of it it's not a it, you know it's it's a very famous tale um and i i i think this is more now the good thing is you can kind of use any one of those versions and say that both of them can be your definitive because this is a prequel or a sequel to the story of of pan so it's really however you want to build on whatever you feel is, is the origin now this probably follows more towards the um, 
the the animated movie. I know it's based on like the book, but um, it probably follows more closely to the animated movie um, as a follow up. But in terms of where I want to go to Peter Pan, if I want to watch a Peter Pan story, I'm going to watch this. I'm not going to watch the animated Peter Pan or anything or any other live. This this is it for me. Like I, I and I'm not like. I, uh, you know, as a disclaimer, I'm not like a big Peter Pan guy. I'm not. I'm not breaking out like own own all the movies and everything. I've seen like a, right, yeah, probably a couple of them. But I, I do want to watch the one that just got added on Disney Plus a couple months ago. But um, but yeah, I I, I think this is this is at least my favorite um version of the story. So I, I would say yeah. Uh, I if if the cartoon kind of if it followed up as a as a sequel to cartoon, yeah, this would be my definitive pan movie gotcha so greg uh the other follow-up question i wanted to ask you was this is your second nomination with uh with a robin williams movie um is this um you know we talk about top actors um i don't think you nominated him as one of your favorite actors but it seems to me uh based off of just these two and i think in general i think robin williams is a guy for you so what what uh what about robin williams for you uh just you know makes you nominate robin williams movies for people uh <laughs> all right so i'm gonna sidestep that for one second uh that peter Power pan move. movie i was referring to was a tv movie based off a musical um and wow <laughs> folks i am not this old but this was from 1960 um but i just i remember renting it in the video stores mary martin played yes uh, that's, okay that's what yep. we're talking about the same thing because i know exactly because yep. my my grandparents had that and i'm like yeah so she's that, blonde and yep. yeah yeah yep okay so back to your question what was the question again no um i'm just kidding uh so yeah robin williams i think this was actually more of a happy accident um I literally went to my bookcase or my, my uh, movie case and just went through some titles I thought might be intriguing to you that I don't think you had seen before. Gotcha. And I went A through whatever. And this was one. And I thought, well, it's a Spielberg movie. It's got great production. I'm curious yeah. to get your take on it. But, but, um, I am a Robin Williams guy. And, it did dawn on me after that, after we did that actors episode, um, that I probably should have nominated him because I have a ton of love for him, a ton of respect for him. He can do such a wide range of acting and performances and roles. Like, you know, he really was uh, a renaissance man. I think, you know, the primary thing that that comes to mind with folks is Robin as a comedic actor. And, you know, maybe Aladdin is the first thing that pops in mind. And sure, that's that's a valid yeah. thought. But like for me, my first nominated movie for you guys, What Dreams May Come, one of my all time favorite movies, dramatic role for him. Touches of humor, but dramatic. I just rewatched Good Morning Vietnam, I think like two or three years ago. That was his first major starring role in a, a film. Um, he was tremendous in that. Was not a comedy. I mean, it had comedic elements again, but um, but it was a drama. And so there's um, – I think even though that he has that perception of comedy, um, that's underselling him, whereas he is more a um, – a multi-purpose tool he can kind of fit into anything yeah. you need him to 
so definitely is an all-time great actor. And um, while this was a happy coincidence, you can bet Daryl there'll be more Robin Williams love from me uh, yeah. at some point, sometime in the future. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the plot uh, for this movie because, you know, um, just to get into the nitty gritty a little bit. Um, so Peter Banning, played by Robin Williams, uh, he's not a great dad. He's a workaholic. Um, he struggles with his relationship with his wife, uh, Moira, and his, his children, Jack and Maggie. Um, and they go to visit uh, their um, visit Moira's grandmother, Wendy, um, in, in London over, I guess, a holiday. Um they end up uh, attending a charity dinner and, and during that charity dinner, their kids go missing and uh, we can, we, we know there's a letter left that it was, that it was captain James hook. Um, and he uh, has taken Peter's kids. Um, this is all wild news to Peter. Um, you know, there and Wendy, you know, old, old lady, Maggie Smith, Wendy uh, isn't being like you're Peter Pan, my dude, but you know, she's kind of trying to drop hints um, but this, this Peter Banning is, uh, you know, I thought a lot about during this movie, I thought a lot about Scrooge. Um, and I, I felt like there was a lot of kind of, I don't want to say similarities, but there, there, there's definitely this fog that, uh, he doesn't remember being, uh, Peter Pan. Um, and he kind of refuses to believe her. Um, later in the nursery, uh, you know, Peter is there and, and Tinkerbell comes and brings him to Neverland, um, you know, where that's, you know, Captain Hook's pirate heaven. Uh, and there's a great, uh, kind of first scene here where, you know, uh, I didn't really think this would happen, but Robin Williams, Peter shows up and he's right in Captain Hook's face being like, give me my kids. I'm like, yo, we're getting this battle now. This is great. Um, little did I, did I know until I paused, uh, the movie's two and a half hours. Um, so it's, it's a little lengthy on the runtime. But it's a great scene. Um, you know, once we get into Neverland, uh, we get a, a real, real heavy involvement in the production of this movie. Um, basically, Hook, you know, is like, this isn't the Peter Pan I know. There's a little bit of great comedy in here. Uh, you know, we get some back and forth between Hook and Peter Pan. You know, Tinkerbell promises, hey, I'm going to train him up. We're going to go visit the Lost Boys. You know, we're going to get Peter back so you can have this big battle that you've always wanted. Um captain hook um so he ends up going to the lost boys you know uh we're there we meet uh rufio rufio um and the rest of the lost boys uh there they're helping trying to make him remember um who he is meanwhile captain hook's trying to be the uh <laughs> captain hook's trying to be the dad who stepped up and take these kids off of uh peter's hands and uh become the father they they never had um, and it really works on Jack, but not so much on Maggie, even though Jack's older. I don't know. Um, but uh, so, you know, Peter ends up realizing who he is. Then we get this whole kind of cut where, like, we learn how Peter became Peter Banning from Peter Pan, um, which is cool. But it also probably could have been cut, in my opinion, because um, it kind of diverts a little bit um, into that, uh, you know. And then so he finally realized who he is. Um, he gets trained up with the kids. He bullies Rufio. Uh, this grown adult is now shoving in the face <laughs> of Rufio, um, which didn't really I didn't really enjoy. Uh, they go to fight, uh, you know, Captain Hook, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Rufio ends up taking it and fighting Hook because 
Uh, Peter ends up just deciding, like, I'm taking my kids and I'm leaving. Uh, he has a real, real struggle of faith here. I don't, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, we'll get into more into that. Um, anyway, uh, Rufio ends up biting it. Uh, there's a, there's a real, a real wild, uh, what's, what's the one kid's name? Thud, uh, thud, butt. thud, butt. thud, but yeah. he has a real wild maneuver where he curls himself up into a ball and just rolls over people. Um, but he, he does up, it twice. He does that like yeah, two or three twice. times. Yeah. A lot, a lot of screen time for thud, which we'll touch on towards the end. Cause, uh, there's a, there's a cute little note there with that, that I have. Um, anyway, uh, Peter realizes that the thing he wanted to be was a father. Um, he ends up using that to help him defeat Captain Hook. He takes his kids. He goes back home, uh, leaving the the Lost Boys again. Um, or does he? Is he just, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, and they all live, you know, happily ever after. And that his his, his adventures aren't truly over. Um, because his, his adventure now is to live. Um, but I mean, yo, listen, that, that call is going to come. You got to get to that meeting on Monday. So I don't know, my man, I might've stayed, but anyway, um, that's kind of the, that's kind of the plot here. Um, you know, uh, I thought it was really funny, you know, jumping back early. Uh, Peter has a real problem with heights. Um, Peter Banning, that is. So I thought that was a real nice touch that the, you know, Peter Pan who can fly has a real <laughs> trouble of heights. Um, in regards to that, uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of the early scenes with Dustin Hoffman as Hook uh, and Bob Hoskins Smee when they're first meeting Peter Banning and they're kind of looking him up and down and there's a lot of like, this isn't Peter Pan. Who's this Joker? Um, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, you know, not, not that I felt like she was playing favorites, but, uh, the daughter Maggie really, really like, they really rely on mom a lot. They're both crying for like mom. Um, and there's Bro, a, when he was, when he was climbing the pole and she's yeah, like, mom could do, could do it. it. Yeah. Bro. Oh my God. Yo, nothing. Dude, I, I would have put an eye patch listen, on, hold on. I'm like, you, you know what? Fine. Go ahead. I'm one of these guys now. Listen, as you guys as fathers, if your daughter or your well, your son says that to you, are you guys then doing everything in your power, even if it means tearing both your triceps, to be like, you know what, I'm gonna prove you wrong, or are you like Chris saying, you're just like, you know what, stay here, I don't care. I'm sliding down that pole like a fireman, getting splinters and everything, and I'm like, now, nah, go ahead, you'll yeah. learn. Nah, dog, it's the pirate's <laughs> life for you. Yeah, yeah, you're donezo. No. Oh man. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so yeah, so then that leads to, you know, Captain Hook being like, fine, Peter, I'll give you three days. He then gets kicked into the water and in a PG movie, uh, then, uh, Peter Banning or Peter Pan, basically he kisses three mermaids underwater. I thought a little, a little You'll bit. I they were giving him air. You love so to see it. You love to see it. You, you listen. <laughs> you love to see it if you're Peter. Um, and that that gets us to the lost lost boys, um, where they end up bullying they, him, and we meet. They were we kissing him. Ah, they were, they big were giving him air. They, okay. I was, I took it as they were giving him air, also. Yeah. Or I mean, told, but I, I like Harry's. I like Harry's version. But in a, in a very <laughs> seductive way. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what Chris told his parents when they came down on him, in when he had a when he had a girl in his room, and he was like, "I was just I giving, was her giving her air, my girlfriend air." Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. 
And so then that leads us to he gets sent to meet the Lost Boys and Rufio. I'm going to pause here because I have another take of where we go into this scene. Um, but kind of kind of this early moment where we get to meet up to the Lost Boys. Where are you guys at with this? Greg, I'll toss it to you. Any notes you have um, up to this point in the movie um, that you wanted to touch base on that either I missed or put an emphasis on? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, Spielberg definitely has a feel about his movies, especially for me, like the 80s and early 90s movies. It's just there's magic. It's it's literally just magic. And, uh, you know, if you could compare it to a painter, I guess, like Norman Mm. Rockwell, it's very just Americana, like has a certain type of vibe to it. And you instinctually know this is it. I know you mentioned you weren't aware that this was a Spielberg movie until you went to look it up. But like, yeah, even knowing that if you if you had gone into this movie cold without looking up who the director was, would you right. say it's Spielberg esque? Dude, 100 percent. And the, that's the other thing, too, with him and John Williams is like before I even mm-hmm. looked up the score and the director and I was watching the first because you know, I, I think I got to around this point. I paused because I started this a little too late. And realized, oh, this is two and a half hours. Um, but when I got to that point, I was like, I, if you told me this is John Williams score, I'd 100% believe it. And then, yeah, when I looked up that it was Spielberg, I was like, oh, makes a ton of sense in regards to it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just – I'm all about those vibes. I, you know, It's no secret my love for Spielberg and we we put him up at the top for mm-hmm. uh, directors. Um, you know, going into Robin Williams and his performance, I thought he had really good stuff. I don't think he was the standout of this movie, but yeah. I do think he he put in a, a really solid performance. Um, one scene in particular that really stood out for me, and it was just kind of, I don't want to say trivial, but it was a minor moment. And it was before the kids got kidnapped, before they even... Um, went to granny wendy's you know charity function or whatever yeah uh he they had just gotten to wendy's uh they were all in the bedroom the the family and um he was on the phone with his merger deal trying to make that happen and the kids are like just you know being kids being noisy and shouting and all that stuff and he's trying to have his phone call and he just turns and yells he, like he just goes zero to 60 yeah, flat. Yeah. And when I watched that, that scene, um, number one, very relatable hands. I'm sure you've been there before too. It's not our proudest moment as fathers, but it does happen. Sometimes, you know, the, the kids just try the patience. Um, but also it felt very real. It was like, yeah, in that moment, he, he is that guy, uh, you know, he, he didn't put any spin on it. it. It just, it felt like a real relatable moment and yeah. not a character, but a person. And again, you know, that just speaks to, to his performance. Another moment that really stood out for me. And I don't know if it was just a combination of the, um, the sentimentality. Uh, he doesn't even really have a line in it, but um when Rufio draws the line in the stand and they're they're trying to pick between him and uh, Peter and even trying to figure out if Peter is Pan and uh, 
the one kid, the youngest kid, I forget his name. Just, I think it's like pockets or buckets or something like that. Yeah. Um, pockets. He just goes up. What is it? Pockets. I, I know pockets for pockets. sure, but there might be a buckets too. I mean, I, I think it's pockets. When they, when they raid the and... siege, when they raid the siege in the end, in the big fight, there's, there's a lot more lost boys than I remember seeing uh, <laughs> on screen. So, um, pockets goes up and starts manipulating, um, Banning's face, and then that's yeah. when he realizes, "Hey, this is Peter." Robin Williams doesn't even have a line in it, but just the looks, the the emoting he does on his face, um, yeah, and then probably a combination of the music. But like again, that that's a moment that sticks out for me and and gives me chills. It's like, oh man, it's so so great there. Yeah. Uh, well, one, so Robin one Williams. I, sorry, yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, not that I not that I'm blaming the wife here, but uh, during your first point, uh, Moira gets the phone call and calls Peter down. All she had to do was just say, "Yeah, let me get him for you." Hang up. I'm just Wait. saying, I'm not blaming her, but she she poured she poured a little gasoline She's on that enabling. powder keg. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. then she yelled at him after, and I'm like, "You didn't have to call him about the phone call. Just say like he's not available right now, like whatever." But yeah. go on. You were going to talk about Robin. Yeah. Oh, well, one other quick thing about Robin. This is neither here nor there, but <laughs> I don't know why, but that cell phone draw scene tickles me where him and the dude in the, at the office like, oh, yeah, yeah, do an yeah. Old West stand down. They who's the fastest cell slinger in the West. Um, Surprised we didn't get a, a company that. shout out there for like which company cell phone brand that was to get some advertising really? or something. And this this was very early days cell phone. So you knew yeah. he was a, a power broker if he's got cell phones on tap like that yeah like they uh, could be used for murder weapons they're just giant bricks <laughs> <laughs> also accurate uh similar to your point john williams score just absolutely brilliant um and yeah very it does have kind of harry potter vibes or harry potter has vibes of this i guess but there's there's like yeah. uh, a whimsical magic in the air um 100%. i actually skipped a point and I'm going to go back to it, which is performances. And uh, as the kids like to say, Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins ate in this Ooh, movie. Oh, my you goodness. Got that right. uh, you know, I, I like I said, Robin Williams, good stuff from him. But these two were fantastic. Dustin Hoffman, um, you you I challenge anybody to know that this is him without seeing his name in the credits. You, I think maybe when he loses the wig late in the movie, you could tell, but like prior to that with the makeup yeah. and the accent, the performance never would have guessed it wild, in a million years. Wild to me that I pulled this up on IMDb, as I mentioned when I paused and I scrolled through and um, yeah, cause we just, we just meet him here. And I see the first name. It says Dustin Hoffman, and then it says Robin Williams. And I say Dustin Hoffman, and and then I was like Hook. I was like, wait, what? I was like, this is wild. <laughs> right? But yeah, absolutely kills it in it. Yeah, I mean, he's got look the the prosthetics, the makeup, the teeth, all of that stuff, wardrobe. It all brings the character to life. And again, this this is the definitive version of Hook for me. Like Disney version, you know, in the past, this is it. Uh, Hoffman just absolutely kills it. Smee, his right-hand man, Bob Hoskins, great. Very underrated actor, by the way. I feel like he doesn't get enough shine um, and, you know, gone too soon. But uh, but uh, he and Smee had some great comedic moments. And their chemistry together, absolutely fantastic. You know, the, the whole scene with Smee um, 
going into Hook's cabin and taste testing the food to make sure it's not poisonous. But yeah. in actuality, he's just getting grub yeah. <laughs> and loading up. And then Hook is super depressed because of how this is not the pan that he remembers. And, you know, he wants to he starts to get suicidal, very dark humor, but also very funny. And it's like, you know, he's he's going on about how he's going to do it. And he's like, Smee, don't stop me. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. Smee, stop me. Yeah. <laughs> and he just. Well, dude, just that's absolutely. When, fantastic. That's when Hook's talking about being <laughs> suicidal. And I was like, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah, I was, I was like, what are we going with this? But Wild. I but I loved it. And then, you know, Smee gives him a nightcap and takes his boots off and takes care of the captain. And it's like, all right, this relationship is so whacked out. But I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Those two. I can't say enough good things about not only the way they were written, but those performances just truly outstanding. Um, yeah, I think. That's all I want to touch on for now. So I'll pass it back to you guys. I guess uh, yeah, hands, hands. What, what yeah, initial points do you have? Uh, I, I agree with the, the the casting on this. Dustin Hoffman is great. Um, I I think he's actually even though he's not the lead, he's first build. Um, so yeah. you know he was he was definitely the bigger name than Robin Williams at the time. Um, so. You know, going back to some supporting roles like Emma Thompson's in this as a as a smaller role as as his wife, um, who I didn't know that I forgot all about that until I rewatched it. I'm like, all right, I know she was kind of just up and coming. Um, at Wait, least for, as whose wife? Isn't that Peter Pan's wife or Peter's wife? No. I think it's Emma Thompson. No, that's oh, I made that up. Good all. Oh, did. made it up. <laughs> this guy. Oops. That's okay. Pulling it up right now. It's not uh, her. It's not it's, uh, a Caroline movie. Goodall. That's what I meant. Caroline Goodall. I thought it was Emma Thompson. <laughs> I thought Emma Thompson was in this movie. Yeah. She's not. Um, she was in whoops. Cliffhanger. Uh, that's the other big movie. <laughs> okay. From 91. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I thought it was Emma Thompson. Sorry for listeners. Uh, my news good. is really off today. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yes, me. I agree with, with you know, with 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 Bob Hoskins on there. Um, I think Robin Williams. I it's it's great. What I think about Robin Williams is I actually like his serious stuff more than I like his comedic stuff. So Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, they're okay, but I don't. I want I want Goodwill Hunting Robin Williams. I want this, and this is like a perfect role for him because I don't necessarily consider this. A, it's more fantasy, but a lot of people would put some comedy elements into it. I think he 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 kind of eats it up as more dramatic with some comedic elements as the character he's playing, uh, and that's that's where I think Robin Williams shines in his acting ability. I mean, he did he did go to Juilliard. He's he's well trained, and some of the, his best roles that he's done are are more serious. Um, but I think it was perfect to cast him because he was still he didn't peak yet until I guess maybe like you know once Aladdin started coming out and Goodwill Hunting and, and you know and Mrs. Doubtfire. I think that's where he he kind of was definitely on the climb. Um, but he, he, he was, he would be who I envisioned like an older adult Peter Pan to be. He has that silliness to him, but also, you know, a darker, a darker presence, I guess, um, like mm-hmm. internally. Um, so I love that. Um, Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. I, I, I did like her. Um, she's every other Tinkerbell that we see, she doesn't, they don't, she doesn't really talk. Um, she's very like, at least on from the cartoon, she doesn't talk at all. So she's very energetic and peppy. And, and, and I think she's, she's good for that. She was another one who was, 
who hasn't really who didn't really hit that peak yet because I think Pretty Woman was still early nineties. Maybe I wasn't. Well, this was ninety one. I think I feel like Pretty Woman was either ninety one also or ninety two. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, later than this. Yeah. So Pretty Woman wasn't 80s. Yeah. It was 90s. Yeah. So that was where she was another one who. Yeah, 1990. Oh, wow. So she was before this. All right. So she was kind of like in that almost, I, I don't want to say peak Julia Roberts, but this is where she became a household name. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, one of the things I, I love is like is the set design for this. And and Harry, you mentioned this with, with some of the sets on this. This boat, the boat at least, is someplace I've always wanted to go and visit <laughs> that set because it was it was all practical for uh, I would say I don't know maybe ninety seven percent of it ninety eight percent there might have been a little bit of of CG somewhere in there I don't know um, but I, I think it, it it's it's such a beautiful a beautiful set that. I feel like I would just have fun running around and seeing different parts of it and being like, oh my God, like, you know, this is where Hook killed Rufio and, and blah, blah. And, and it just seemed like a real, like there's a lot going on and there was a lot of dedication in the building it. Um, so it was similar to seeing the pirate ship in the Goonies at the end um, where, you know, the, the, the cast didn't know anything. They didn't even see the boat in the Goonies. They shot them down the water slide and that was the first time they actually saw it. So all their expressions are real, um, which there's another point in this movie where I feel like Spielberg has a tendency to do that, to not tell certain kid, like especially like kid actors, what's going to happen in the movie to get genuine, genuine yeah. reactions. Um, but yeah, the set design, even London at night in the snow is, is beautiful. It's that yeah. almost, that almost felt more CG than actual Neverland did. And it, it just seemed like a nice, like the lighting on it was perfect. Um, yeah, you guys talked about Dustin Hoffman. I mean, Dustin Hoffman had two roles in this movie. He was the voice of the pilot in the plane, um, <laughs> which, if you didn't know, uh, he's he's in that. Um, I don't know if we want to we we want to talk the the probably if we're talking about cast, one of the greatest cameos in a movie that I've ever seen because I just discovered it maybe five years ago, um, which is the pirate that goes into the boo box is in fact Glenn Close. Yeah, that's um, wild. Did not know that until my adult life in my 30s. And I've seen this movie dozens of times, um, which I thought was a great addition. I love that. I thought it was, you know, not as great as I, I, I would say the Phil Collins one's not as great as this. But anytime you get Phil Collins in, in, in this stuff, that, that's always good. So I'll, I'll do you one better. So like I, I probably found out about the Glenn Close thing around the same time you did. I want to say it was like maybe five years ago. But the Phil Collins thing, I did not know until I saw your guys' show notes. I I did not yeah, know that. I so, probably I, mean, I don't I don't think I realized that either. And and I think because your notes when it came back after, and I watched this. I, I I didn't rewatch it for this, but I've seen it in the past year. I've been trying to get Catherine to watch it, and every time she says no, I'm like oh, I'm just gonna watch it myself. Um, you're lost. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I every time, um, you know, I never picked it up. So I want to actually go back and and recently like rewatch it to see. So yeah. Good call on that. Um, yeah, I just I, it's this is like a, a beautiful movie movie with its sets. Even the 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 Lost Boys area is is great because yeah. that's all practical. And it's like, how long did it take to build this stuff? Like Spielberg really like knows what he wants and will and you know will make sure it happens. It's it's the complete opposite of um of like Ready Player One, where half of that movie was probably shot in front of a green screen or something. This is yeah. this is just a different time. I mean, it's a different time, but it's it's such a, a 
it's such a great world to be in. And I think a lot of the characters fit really well in there, especially with the Lost Boys. Uh, if I had to complain, uh, you know, maybe we'll go in a little bit if we start digging into the Lost Boys. They there were some cringeworthy moments with with the Lost Boys, and it's uh, and we're gonna chalk it up to child actors. Yeah, I, they, they, they bother me. When you have that many kids, uh, you're going to get just some... like, like when that little kid screams, good night, Neverland. I, I, oh, I hate it. I hate it. That I don't know why. Goat? Like, come I on. got my goat. That and a couple other things <laughs> where it's like, I'm like, oh, kid actors. are such a, oh, Chris, it's like a Chris pet peeve Peter Pan, Chris Peter Pan, Hanratty bullying kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> here. Oh, and that's also another note. Uh, I didn't point, I didn't even realize that how, that Peter Pan becomes a bully halfway through this movie when he starts bullying the kids. <laughs> Well, he starts going off on Rufio, and I see Rufio getting upset, and I'm like, dude, this guy, like, I don't know how old Rufio is supposed to be, but he ain't a grown adult, so, like, maybe I get you supposed to. Are you talking about when they do their insults back and forth? Yeah, bad, bad vibes, bad vibes, man. I just, I I took that as all in fun. Nah, there's a lot of hurtful, you didn't, you saw Rufio, he wasn't, he wasn't enjoying it. I've seen, I've seen Coconut Adam. I've seen Eddie make that face multiple times when he's getting made fun of, and he doesn't enjoy it. So he made him so mad he threw a coconut at him. Well, maybe respect your elders. Yeah, Yeah. he said, (laughs) "True." Um, (laughs) So yeah, just just some other things I wanted to touch on. As I mentioned, Hook suicidal. Uh, There's a lot of talks about killing and death in this. I think that's something from PG movies that's changed a lot. Um, where yeah. probably they say I want to eliminate him, or Destroy. you know I want to get rid of him. Yeah, or, like I think a lot about this with uh, with Fortnite, how they use their words compared to a game like Call of Duty, and how it's just like, oh, I eliminated you know eight people when it's like you know we know what you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, and you have to live with it. You know yeah. what you did. <laughs> remember when you when you <laughs> remember when you dabbed on that character? Upsetting. Yeah. You're, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> he was just trying to regain his health, and you put a shotgun to his head and did the yeah, dab yeah. and dab. Um, yeah, gritty. But but you're the victor. You eliminated him. Great job. Um, just like nah, man, just, hook, hook just they're like just dodgeball. like hooks. Nah, man. Hook, they even say like, what's he yeah, say? He's like, like death. I kill. Yeah, he's like he's... I kill lost boys and I kill like whoever. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he, Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like you know, and I'm like, geez, Hook, you need to you need to take it down. Even like notch. Peter Pan, like when they're fighting at the end, both of them are accepting the fact that one of them's gonna die. And even yeah. like Peter Pan says, he's like, death would be the great adventure. And then I'm like, yeah. yo, like, like Honestly, your kids are watching, nice, man. Like that, your kids I think are... that was just it. I don't. I don't think it made sense for him to say it, but he said it because it was a callback to Hook saying that exact line well, earlier. Right, but He's I'm like, just saying it's just like great adventure. Yeah, but it's just it's just funny how it's just like there is a lot of de- talk of death in this. Yeah, there is yeah. a lot, and and so. you know, I think Peter yeah is accepting that like, hey, Hook kills him. Hey, my kids are here, so my yeah. kids are just going to end up on still in this pirate boat. Right. So then so. we get into uh, we get into the Lost Boys training montage of Peter. Um, you know who doesn't love a good montage here? Um, again, I'm not I'm not really vibing with the Lost Boy Island because it seems like there's not a lot of good values involved, um, and that's like just a nitpick I have as far as like you know being an adult. Like you know I don't think we need to you know teach these kids to just make fun of each other and uh, stuff of that nature. There's but. no adults, bro. Yeah, dude. It's right. The, yeah, the that's, lost why I don't, that's why I don't like it. That's why I don't like it. Um, they could use some supervision, and Peter was there and chose not to do that. He chose to be a kid again. 
Um, <laughs> so, and this is where we kind of get the, you know, the inkling indication that like, think happy thoughts. That's how you become, you know, Peter. Um, and then we get a, uh, you know, hook basically he cuts deep, man. I mean, I know that hook's not just for show. He's in them kids. He's getting them to be like, you hate your parents. You want, I'm going to be your father. Like it's time to, you know, stay here with, with, with Papa hook. Um, I did enjoy as we, we've talked a lot about the Robert Williams humor. One line that stuck, stood out to me is when uh, him and the lost boys are sitting around the table and they're getting ready to eat and they crack open all those, those different pots and there's nothing in there. And uh, Robin Williams um, says, Gandhi ate more than this. Um, so I just like, there's a lot of little Robin Williams like moments that you can poke out of like, you know, in all of his movies, but like this and some of his back and forth with Dustin Hoffman, his hook, there's just little moments where it's like he gets his time to, I don't want to say probably ad lib, but go a little bit yeah. into, you know, divert a little bit and throw his own humor I, in there. I feel like Smee had a couple lines like that too. <laughs> yeah. Little asides yeah, that probably. seemed like they yeah. were ad libbed. Yeah. And then, um, you know, that we get, we get a ton of bangerang in here, which is, uh, as I was like, I was like, what does this mean? I was like, we haven't explained it. And uh, they got that from Skrillex. Yeah. Well, they got it uh, from what I from what I saw on IMDb, a trusted source, obviously. Um, it's Jamaican slang for uproar, disorder, and disturbance, which you know fits a lot. Banger. Interesting. I did not um, know that. Didn't Jesus. care for that. Didn't care for that all all the time. There. Um, if I was nine, I probably would have loved it. Um, it came out of the movie yelling it, but uh, didn't really care for it. Um, also, Hook again, not playing any games. He sets up this entire baseball game. Uh, another great set design here of just having this baseball mm. field. And yo, Hook is not here to play. Uh, Robin Williams even catches on, or Peter Pan catches on as he's watching his son play, and he's so excited. And Hook's there, being like, "My boy, my boy, you got it." Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, I mentioned it. I mentioned it a little, a little bit earlier. But you know, Jack he fell for that spell a little too easy. I get it; he was disappointed uh, by his dad not being there for his game. But he was he was a little swayed too easily. You might have to do a little bit more work there, Peter, uh, after this uh, journey and adventure together. Um, and then that's when we jump into the pan backstory. And this is for me where I had to, I had to take another pause here because um, I just you know I'm just I'm just going to get straight into it. Uh, Peter's got some weird relationships. Um, he's got, he's got, uh, Wendy who, I don't know him, who's played by Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie, uh, besides Maggie Smith, a young Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she, she shows up as, as young Wendy. Um, they're hooking up, right? Like they're, they're Peter and her together. No, I I think, I think based on Maggie Smith recapping the story, she wanted that. But I don't think he Peter did. Peter never did. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Because well, he didn't yeah, want to grow up. By the time up. he came back, by the time he came back, she was already like right, she was right, like yeah. real Dame Maggie Smith age of like fifty something. <laughs> well, right. No, no judgments I mean, here. He was just, visiting yeah. through the years, but right. like she right. even said, like I half expected you to like break up my wedding. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's you right. Never yeah, did. Yeah. All right, so nothing ever happens to them. He then shows up <laughs> when she's old, sees her daughter, granddaughter. Daughter, granddaughter, 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 and is like, this is my gal. Um, yeah, and <laughs> while she's sleeping, no less. While she's sleeping, like pimping out yeah. her granddaughter. Yeah, and then he's also got the situation with Tinkerbell, 
where she's like, yep. I love you, Peter, and kisses him. Did he tell Moira about this after? Are you going like and then not even that Bro, fact, if but- you go to your wife and say Yo, things happened with me in a fairy. <laughs> I didn't also, know. What's also, also so kind of the mermaids? Also, she was like, yeah, know, good, uh, good luck with the fairy and the mermaids hair. Also, you know that you, you know your grandma. Me and me and her had a few uh, a few uh, uh, meetings, meetups. Uh, in the, she, and in those are freebies. She ain't believing nothing. Listen, <laughs> and we get the pan story too, where he's a baby and he ends up going away, and they have this vicious shot of a baby in a street with water pouring all over it. I'm sure there was some things done to that, but that was just a real, a real <laughs> jarring uh, moment there. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up, um, and then we realized yeah. that Peter's Peter. What makes Peter happy is wanting to be a father, and it's a really nice moment, um, and a really touching moment. I mean, I think for all three of us uh, guys here, um, and you know, that's when we jump back. Uh, it's a really sweet moment, and then we immediately jump back to uh, a grown man bullying Rufio. <laughs> Um, about, you know, uh, before they head out on their adventure. Um, and then I think he, that's when he takes the sword again, still bullying this kid. Um, I'm I'm not finished with that, but, but yeah, I, I have a note here, pan, not a great leader in my opinion. He's kind of forgetting why he's there multiple times. Um, you know, he, he ends up having the conversation with Tinkerbell and he's like, why am I here? Who are these kids? What do you mean? Do they want to play? And it's like, dude, That's come the on. Best Robin Williams impression. I've, I've, yeah. I'm not even kidding. I think I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and then that leads us to the big fight set piece. Um, and then this leads to um, Peter Pan finding, I guess, his kids, grabbing them and being like, let's get out of here. Leaving Rufio after he bullied him, took his position, undermined him. He said, you know what? Yeah, you take that fight with Captain Hook. Good luck, pal. <laughs> and Captain Hook then. Don't get got. Yeah. And then I I forget exactly why. Why? Maybe you guys remember off the top of your head. But he ends up going back, I guess, to fight Hook because I think the kids might say, like, we got to take care of him. Um, And so he then he goes right as soon as Rufio's getting stabbed. Couldn't be worse timing. Um, Like, I just uh, and even after this, even after Rufio dies, Peter's like, you know what? Let's just roll. And I'm like, you're going to let Rufio die for nothing. (laughs) Um, so, you know, before we get into, uh, it's not my kid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to finish the couple notes here before we head back home. Um, he he talks about, he, you know, hook, he owes him or whatever or whatnot, or he doesn't, he, this man doesn't owe hook anything. All right. Like, and this dude, he like keeps allowing him to get up and get in the fight. And it's like, dude, just put this guy down, man. He deserves it. Um, and you know, this all ends up leading up to leaving thud in charge, which I read a nice moment where only Spielberg and Robin Williams knew who he would throw the sword to. Um, and it's a genuine reaction, uh, for the characters and the kids there in regards to that. So they kind of kept that, um, at bay, which I thought was really sweet and touching and nice. Um, yeah. And then that kind of leads up to the end where I have a couple final thoughts when we get back to, uh, out of Neverland, but I'll take, I'll give it back to you guys. Um, Papa, um, you know, for you, uh, what, what about the second half of this movie? Um, yeah. So, you know, nothing specific really with the, the plot. Um, I will say just to kind of echo what you guys have already said, production design, absolutely stunning, especially the pirate ship sets. Um, yeah. All about that. 
Um, Pirates life for me, baby. Yeah, yeah. I do think that the movie is a bit long and the Neverland stuff isn't quite as good as the real world stuff. So, like, you have Mm. really excellent beginning, really excellent end, um, and then the Neverland stuff is good. You know, it's fine. Um, Doesn't stand out. Oh, you know what? One th- one thing I do want to touch on actually is that um, that pretend dinner. I'll tell you what. Once he starts imagining that food, and we see, oh it, man, that's it probably like a top five cinematic meal, like that I would want to partake in. Yeah, like just uh, great all kinds great of shout. Great crazy shout. textures and colors, and like yeah. yo. Let me dive in on that. Give me five minutes alone like, at that yeah, table. Yeah, you want rainbow chicken? Here you go. Just take the, the fucking drumstick <laughs> exactly. and then just bloop. Yeah. <laughs> bloop. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, no, that uh, that meal was uh, pretty dandy. It looked great. Um, but, yeah, so the other thing I would touch on, too, are, is uh, some things – are a bit wonky, um, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of the movie hook kidnapping the kids. But for some reason, like he's able to go into the real real world and kidnap the kids, but he can't just escape to the real world whenever. Like, yeah. I don't understand how that works. And then there's some stuff at the end, um, you know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit after they go back to the real world. We see that there's a real Smee, but no real hook for some reason yeah strange. Uh, you have like hook's death um disappearance i think in neverland where where the croc mm. falls on him was just kind of corny it, like you know it theoretically hook would be smashed uh to bits and pieces and i get if you don't want to show you know the gore with that because it's a pg movie but um he just disappears. I think yeah, there was like a hat, cloud of green smoke or something. In his boots or something. Like just leave those yeah. items, like some Wizard of Oz stuff. Just, that yeah. It's it's just it's weird when like you you look at all the care that goes into this movie, and then you see those like those things. They just they're almost jarring because it's like no thought was given to that. Um, yeah. So that 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 type of stuff. I don't think I ever really paid attention to before, but I did this time around. And part of that was because I read um, a couple articles uh, trying to see what Spielberg's thoughts on it were. And he is not fond of hook. Yeah. I don't even know that he's watched it since the premiere. Uh, in fact, I think he hasn't. Cause he said, at least as of it was either 2010 or 2013, he said one day he would like to revisit this and hopefully, um, not be as hard on it but uh but it is not one of his favorite films which is a shame because i i think you know despite those flaws i just mentioned um it is really good uh one last thing and then i'll pass it back to you and then you know we can do scores whenever but um some of the sound design was goofy too like i didn't like them playing with the voice effects for some of the characters. Mm, um, fair. Tink was one that stands out, but there were a couple others uh, moments where like the pitches of the voice got really high or really low for comedic effect or whatever. And I just, it seems beneath Spielberg, you know, I, I don't yeah. know how else to describe it other than yeah. just kind of like, doing almost a slide whistle effect for, for comedy. Like not that that was used, not 
a slide whistle wasn't used in this movie, but it's it's along the same feeling, lines yeah. of it's like a cheap pop, you know. Right. So I don't know. I just um, that was uh, a little disconcerting and and also jarring. But um, those are just minor nits uh, that yeah. I'm picking. It's a it's a really lovely movie, and I I picked it for a reason. Uh, what about you guys? I. I was going to say really quick, just because you mentioned Spielberg and uh, Williams, I, Spielberg actually does look on this movie a little bit more fondly nowadays because he was able to meet Robin and they became really good friends after this. Um, and without uh. this movie, um, I don't think he looks at it, like you said, as like a work of art for him. But right. I think from that perspective, it's kind of like, you know, the the people you met along the way. And I think uh, I, well, I, I don't think I, I read the article that um, – basically was calling that out, especially after he passed where it's like, Hey, I'm glad we had that opportunity together to make this movie um, in regards to I think, it. So. And I, I don't, I'm sure he considers it, but like, I really hope that he understands that for many people, such as myself and hands, like there's a generation yeah, there's where this time, is yeah. the definitive pan story. So like, yeah, maybe this is, not what you consider your best work of art. I mean, yeah, you put it up against Schindler's List or Jurassic Park, whatever, or Jaws. Sure, it's it not in the same it. tier. But, but that doesn't mean there's not merit to it. And of it course. doesn't mean that other people don't hold a special place for it. So, Gotcha. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, Hans, what about for you? So I, I – Going on my second half thoughts, this movie there's a there's a part there's parts in the middle of this movie where I find it's just not as interesting. A lot involving with the Lost Boys, and I don't. I'm more. I'm watching a movie about Peter Pan's sequel about what happened to him after he's Peter Pan. I don't need to know what happened to him beforehand. I don't. I. I it's not that I don't care. It just. I, I feel like you're you're Greatest already giving a story super- ever. Like it, it just. I like. I don't need to know how he turned into Peter Pan or how he ended up in Neverland. I. I. I I'm kind of, I'm worried about how why he's in Neverland now and how he's going to get back home. Um, there is a lot. Like, I I just feel like the middle part of this movie was just kind of written without a script, and they said let's just have fun with the with the kids and you know yeah. playing those goofy obstacle courses with the skate track and all that. Um, the third act of this movie, the fight between the pirates and the Lost Boys, is fantastic. I love it. Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams doing that choreography on some of that, the sword fight is, is crazy. Like I'm sure some of it is stunts because I, Robin Williams, I don't know if he can do a backflip. Um, I'm pretty, <laughs> I didn't think I'm almost confident. The sword he, fighting was that great. You uh, didn't think so? I thought it was good yeah. for two older men who, you know, aren't known for action type sets. I thought it was good. I thought it was good choreography. I mean, yes, he's an older man, an older Peter Pan. So he's probably gonna be a little slower, but I think the way they just, they just complement each other. And you're not having a, I like I I thought Rufio had much better sword handling skills like against Hook and he was moving a lot quicker and so I I but I think that you know we only got a short version of that because you know R.I.P. Rufio, um, but uh, I think it just to, to see Robin Williams who at the time was probably in his 40s or 50s and same with Dustin Hoffman was probably older and they I think they just I thought it was good I thought it just they you know how they. They said they just. I felt like their their moves complemented each other. Um, Hook dying or Diddy? There's no. I don't think I. The the, the crocodile statue just, just the crocodile statue just fell on him like in his mouth. It didn't yeah. swallow him. It was a dead crocodile. So, if anything, he should just be stuck in the teeth. 
Right. So you can tell me he's going to get digested by a stone crocodile belly? Yeah, there's like a burping sound, which I think is kind of what Greg was talking to, where it's like the, right. the stone, you know, crocodile like, or alligator ate him. Yeah. I'm sorry. It like it, And it like roars as it's coming down, but it's not yeah. alive. It, it, yeah. yeah. The thing's been dead for years. No, it just it just came back to life and ate hook. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was that was I always I always that was the one thing that always bothered me where I'm like, cook can't be dead, yeah. and he's in a he's in a digestive system that hasn't worked in ages. Like it so, just it's yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. You guys are on board with me with the Rufio take, right? Like the bullying and like just like he didn't care for Rufio at all. Peter, uh, yeah. I disagree about bullying. I don't. I don't think it was. That's because you're a bully. I don't. That I makes mean, sense. I, to, Go, be, to Chris, be fair, probably. to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> Rufio bullied him when he showed up. He was like bullying an adult. So Peter here's, was giving it back my a take little on bit. It. Yeah, I feel like I like, feel like the power position on the Lost Boys is like a gift and a curse. But God, Greg, <laughs> I think there are power look, struggles. You can read it as bullying. I, I don't think you're you're wrong for interpreting it that way, but I think it was less about bullying and like when 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 Peter and Rufio were just going back and forth with the insults, I think Peter was just like, All right, we're surrounded I'm surrounded by kids. I'm gonna play two can play that game. You know, I'm gonna go back and give it as hard as you're giving it to me. Um but also you have to think in order to get back in the pan mindset and and save his kids, which is the ultimate goal here, he's gotta. He forgot about it for a minute. Be more but, like yeah. a kid. He's he's gotta try and be the pan again. So if that means kind of yeah devolving into you know, a child, a fair enough. <laughs> no, no, but a kid mindset. Then that's what he's gonna do. He's here to save kids, and if that's what he's got to do, he's gonna do it. It's not you well, know. That's great. Um, this is how I read it. He took the power from Rufio. He left Rufio to fight Hook. He got Rufio killed. I think he was just looking to get Rufio on the outs and honor some other. I kids, was going to so. say, where do you That's think the only like way this? Was I look a... at it. This is a setup. This is a setup. <laughs> you think just it was like a weird? Rufio, yeah, like a weird Hook took coup? a dark turn. It did. Like it was I'm a, telling you. It was like a weird coup that Peter had like planned out, where he's like. <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Rufio handle Hook because he knows that he can't yeah, beat Hook. There's, on the editing Look, floor, there's classic, a scene where classic comes U.S. Up. military style go in, destabilize uh, the government, and then leave it in shambles. Like, exactly. Like, like wear down Hook, wear down Hook because he know Hook uh, like will probably beat him, but he's gonna wear him down a little bit. I'm Peter swipes you. in, flies in. And he's Dude. like, I got this. There was a secret meeting between Tink, Hook, and and Peter, and Tink was like, Yo, this this Rufio guy, he's got to go. We're not vibing. <laughs> And Hook was and like, the, this yeah. guy's going to be my demise. I want you to take the mantle, Peter. I'm dying anyway. Oh. You see my hand? I, I got I, I got diseases all in this hand. It's a hook. You made it. You made this happen. And they were like, let's get him. And Rufio got got. And I don't appreciate it. I think it's well, awful. I, no, honestly, that makes sense. How, you're on to something. Hit out after, the streets. After, after he took Rufio out, that was really his only main main um, yeah. main power yeah. like uh what I, opposition Listen, I his know. only main opposition but then like he wore him down so peter's like all right rufio's gone i can take hook yeah. and he kills hook so yeah I, he probably had a deal with hook and he turned on him yeah Genius. this might be my new favorite conspiracy theory I, there's also <laughs> and then like he gave it the thing and he gave control to thud but <laughs> i know there's also a nice moment where he gives it to to thud and it's like here you go you lead him he knows there's destined for failure 
The guy's got one move. He's a one note guy. He's just rolling on people. So, you know. Oh. RIP Lost Boys. You're, I was you're in trouble say, now. If, if they ever made a hook too, yeah. it just Peter goes back and it's just yeah. all like in shambles Jeez. and there's like a casino somewhere and they're yeah. just like thought is it's a all, yeah. Thought, yeah, thought turned yeah. into a life of crime. But um so two other thoughts I had is is Tinkerbell just confesses her love for Peter when he gets back home. And she's like, I'll always be here for you. So he's got that in his back pocket. He's not telling Moira about that. Um, <laughs> and then there's no way that cell phone battery lasted for that long. I don't know if it was a full three days. I don't know what the Neverland time is. Bro, they were to just real made world. different back then. Yeah, yeah well, I think it, was, it could have been like three hours, enough. to be honest. Yeah. It's the fair greatest enough. generation of cell phones. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And yeah. um, I got to be honest. I think Peter made the wrong move. I would have probably just stayed there with my girl Tink. Um, you got your kids there already. You just hang out and live this life in Neverland. No, no Rufio to bother you or yeah. bring you down. Rufio's gone. You got out your main competition. He's out. All these followers of the Lost Boys. Oh, and bro. What are you going back to? You're nine to five. What are you? What are you going to make changes? Like get the, you're still on vacation when you head back to to the real world. Just wait till that office day on Monday, my dude. You're gonna be you're gonna be back to your old ways. I guarantee it. So, I've, dude, I've, when he hits the office and they ask him how his trip was, <laughs> listen to this. You are not gonna believe my vacation. Uh, well, and on one and and you know before we we wrap this up, like why couldn't Peter just gone back, got Moira and Wendy, and brought them back? I don't I don't know of any other to Neverland to brought them back to Neverland. Yeah, but, uh, hey, you guys just want to stay perpetually. Well, now, your like, age. Thud, let's do it. And even like, here's on the very ending. Thud now has to deal with someone who they have to deal with. Toodles, who Toodles is is 88 Yo, years old. Shout and he's going to fly in the Toodles. Shout out to Toodles. He's going to fly in the And what, <laughs> Thud's what have they been doing? Toodles diapers, gonna, man. Yeah. First thing Toodles is going to do is stab him because he's an adult <laughs> and he has the golden sword. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Toodles is flying to his grave. He doesn't no, realize it. He doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, Toodles, we get it. You're looking for your marbles. Yeah, son, he's gonna land <laughs> in Neverland. That was nice. Shout out to Toodles. He got his marbles. He's he he's got gonna his land in Neverland, back. and and Thud's gonna be like, oh my god, an adult. Bleh. Got yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the last words of Toodles is gonna be marbles. And hands, <laughs> what's done. your score? Uh, the more we talk about this, I had this at four and a half, but I, I'm lowering it to a four. There, there's some yeah. things that I I think as we talked out, I I didn't realize before. All Mainly right. the bullying and the coup, Papa. the coup attempt. <laughs> if if you had asked me prior to this rewatch, I would have told you this is a straight five. Um, but I I am, you know, I I put it in with a fresh set of eyes, and I did notice some flaws that I had mentioned. So I'm giving this four point two five out of five stars. Gotcha. Well, you know, there's a couple things here for me. Uh, there's Area 51, there's the John F. Kennedy assassination, and there's the coup <laughs> attempt against Rufio um, that'll stand the test of time. The successful uh, we'll attempt. Be, Peter. well, yeah, Peter's we'll be talking about land. We'll be talking about for the rest of our days. Um, I scored this. Uh, I scored this one. I think. Uh, let me see here. Three and a half out of five. Um, I think this is a solid, uh, you know, as, as we talked about, at least with the set design, 
Um, definitely one of those kind of classics. It feels, it, and it, it's funny. I was like, when was this released? And I was like, December makes a lot of sense. This is, you know, gather the whole family around the fireplace, throw on, throw on hook and, and you're all set there for it. So watch the murder. Um, yo, not going to lie. Great yeah, watch the murder of an innocent yeah. boy at yeah. Christmas time with the snow blowing is like the coziest oh, joint yeah. you could be at. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up yeah. for a trip to there. Um, Steven Spielberg yeah. presents a child being murdered. Yeah. And um, yeah, three and a half out of five. And I can't wait for a hook to to uh, too furious. So it's going to be great. <laughs> too hook, too furious. Too yep. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us for another long one. Um, hopefully you guys, hopefully you guys uh, have seen these. If not, go give them a watch. We all recommend quite clearly. Um, hands anything for the peeps. No, uh, thank you for our, our another long like as as Papa said another long episode. Um, I hope we hope you enjoyed our discussions, our our theories on uh, that never came to light on Hook that I I, I never realized until now. Um, yeah, and you know, hope, hopefully you enjoyed what we talked about. We have some some fun things coming, so hopefully you continue to stick around. <laughs> uh, Harry, anything for the peeps? Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for the nominations, guys. Uh, I mean, I, I think we uh, – I envy the position of being the one in the hot seat, but I also you know, get jealous when it's like I can't wait to nominate something for you guys to watch. Um, you know, I always I always call this one one for us, you know, um, so hopefully you guys have seen the movies and appreciate you guys listening. But, um, you know, justice for Rufio, you know, we'll, get, we'll catch you in the next life, brother. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love you guys. Make sure you stay cool. And just as importantly, make sure you live spicy. Rufio. 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 Oh. Rufio.